Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. We are powered by CommunityCars.com Boy, you went into that fast. You didn't want me saying a word. You just wanted to crush it right away. Uh, speaking of communitycars.com, look, it's the winter time. There's snow on the ground. Maybe your old car can't get through the snow the way it used to. You need a four-wheel drive vehicle. You need a car with better traction. Maybe better, can... better heat. Maybe like it warms up faster. Heated but warmers. Wheels. Seat warmers. Seat warmers. Heated steering wheels. My car that I got from communitycars.com, the steering wheel heats up. And I got to tell you, on those brisk 40-degree mornings in L.A. in the winter, it's pretty nice. Gets the hands really warmed up. Yeah, well, we can't really talk about the cold winter mornings in L.A. because people will just tear us apart. But it's true. I I use the butt warmer uh, October through March in this city. That's yeah, why I mean, look, bottom line. I've bought several cars in my life and I hate the process. I like to think that I can out haggle the person I'm talking to, but they're always a bunch of dicks. I hate dealing with them. I know I'm getting screwed. I just don't know how or when or how much. And I feel like it'll I'll somehow realize it two years later when I realize I just signed like a 40-year lease that makes me pay payments until I'm 90. But with community cars, whether you call them, email them, or walk in, you're going to get treated with respect. I, I have talked to Evan, and he has said to me the following quote, I don't understand why people tolerate bad service when they buy a car. And I just love that mindset, that yeah. that is the mindset of the guy running it. He does not tolerate bad service for the people that are choosing to give him and his family their money. I was also talking to Evan about, you know, eventually when it's my my family's time to buy a new car, 
what all options they have available at community cars and pretty much everything you can think of. And he also said that, yes, he would install an ejector seat. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, if you're looking for an ejector seat, apparently in all all four spots being well in my in my case i only want three i don't want my family to be able to eject me got it understood so ejector seats available and we believe international delivery those we still have not confirmed it we'll get confirmation for sure yeah we got to get confirmation all right look this is a weird intro for us ward is going on vacation with his family and has to leave on a plane very soon so we're recording this portion of the intro on Sunday before the IU Miami of Ohio game. So we're going to have a little different uh, intro with a special guest on that. But before Ward gets on a plane, Ward, we got two big things to talk about. Let's start with football and end with basketball. Let's talk about IU Michigan State. Well, you know, for about half the game, it felt like what we'd been getting used to here for the last seven games. And then something magical happened uh, it makes no sense i None. mean through regulation <laughs> through regulation we completed one pass for seven yards <laughs> and we tied the game up look uh, you and i have talked about it we we have been we have been consistent in our love of tom allen we like him very much and i i put this out on twitter Say what you want about LEO. Say what you want about Tom. Say what you want about the disappointing season last season and so far this season. There is simply no one that cares more about Indiana football and these players than Tom Allen. And I don't believe there's another person at his level that exists in the world that cares this much about Indiana and takes this much pride and gives so much of himself to these players and the vast majority of them are bought in to him. It would have been so easy to give up. I mean, they went down 24-7 in a season that there's no chance of a bowl game. Yeah, that that's what's remarkable to me. Because I was even imagining Tom in his office. And as indomitable as his spirit is, this was earlier in the week. And I was like, man, this is just, like, it's got to be so tough. It's got just to pick yourself up and to try to inspire others, you know, which is so much of what he does for us, even just talking to him and like, where, where does that come from? And so obviously to see his head exploding with joy less than like 72 hours after I'd been imagining him like sad Tom in his office trying to get himself worked up, that was great to see. And it does go to your point of that these guys have remained bought in because if these guys were checked out, that the second half would have been like the first half and we would already be done talking about this game. Down 24 to 7 on the road in a snowstorm in a season that has no chance of making a bowl game with a fresh or not freshman, a first time starting quarterback who isn't even being allowed to really throw the ball with your best defensive player, Cam Jones, out with a guy playing linebacker and Fitzgerald for the first time in his career, ended up with 14 tackles, by the way. Not bad start. I'm, no, there's just so many things stacked against these guys. I give them all the credit in the world. It's why sports are the best drama on television. 
It's they always have been. They always will be. You can't script it. It makes no sense. And it is so joyful when it breaks your way. There's so many like electrifying plays that got us back to that point. But to me, I believe you texted, you know, if we beat Purdue next week, is this now a successful season? But I, I didn't want to go towards like defining success for this season or not. It's like, what are we leaving this season feeling? And if we're leaving this feeling, this season feeling like, oh, we we got the spittoon, we got the old oaken bucket, we came within several one score or or near the end of the games, we could have easily gotten that sixth win this way, the other way, injuries, whatever. It can really give the program a different feeling going into the offseason if we can win against those damn boilers. Because, you know, look, there was it was all negative up until the second half of this game. And oh. that what it was a staggering stat of like we're like oh for thirty-eight being down seventeen at halftime since two thousand three, which like just being down that much at halftime thirty eight times is pretty terrible. But not this team historic team that also oh and michael Penix is just going crazy out in washington but along with can you string a couple big wins together at the end of the year have you found your your quarterback like right. is this that like that's such a huge question mark and if like hey the whole game starting with the nfl uh well i don't know you could say actually in some ways in some places it started in college but whatever the mobile quarterback who's a real threat with his feet as he is through the air yes we still need to see what dexter can do through the air but it, it, here we are in in one half of football having a totally different conversation Completely. And I do love the idea that Michigan State plays Penn State next week. So they probably lose that. I think it's at Penn State. It is at Penn State. Yeah. If we probably prevented them from making a bowl game, which I love. Yeah. I mean, if you can't be in a bowl game yourself, be the spoiler. Purdue can clinch, I believe, the Big Ten West. Let's spoil that. Spoil that at home. And I agree with you. Let's not define the season, but we certainly end the season feeling pretty good. Not sure it's as good as how we feel right this second about Indiana men's basketball after that Xavier game that you and I watched together on Friday. It's been 48 hours. How are you feeling? What are you taking from that 48 hours after? We won. We went to a good program with a good coach in a hostile environment, and we won. And that has been so rare for this program that – that alone, without getting into any of the particulars, is like we haven't been that team very often for a long time, and we went in there and we did it. And I think that it shows like a mental toughness that you go back to we had three guys who carried almost the entire load for us offensively. A cop hit the critical three towards the end, but to say – Trace did trace things. Malik showed up and shows he's going to be a real force this season. And X, like Trace, being the X of the the latter third of last season, is like, whoa, we went in and we got this win that we haven't been used to getting as of 
many years, really. Like you had some crazy stats of how few non-conference games we've won on the road in the last 15 or 20 years. It's nuts. Um, so that if we can definitely not play our ba- best basketball and still win that game, that's a reason for optimism. I agree. I agree. And we did not play our best basketball. I mean, we didn't. We had stretches where we were excellent. But I went back and watched the game again yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, the, the Malik play in the second half where he catches the ball in the zone. By the way, Malik played the last nine minutes of that game with four fouls. That's all you need to know about how much that guy's got to be needed this year. And, and how much they trust him. That Race Thompson did not play the last nine minutes of that game on the road in a hostile environment. Um, But when he hits the middle of that zone, catches the ball, faces up, takes one dribble in and tosses the alley-oop to Trace, it was the best. The other thing I did not realize when we were watching it, Miller Cop didn't just hit the three and the free throws. Those were the last five points of the game that Indiana scored. I didn't realize that at the time. We did shit the bed with two minutes left in the game, up by eight. It was a big choke job. It was a choke job. We turned it over a couple times. Bad offense, um, but Miller Cop stepped up and hit a big shot, and I'm very curious to see how that plays out in the game coming up, which I'll talk about with our next guest. Yes, well, and look, that that better I I better be listening to that intro later with you guys just being how happy today's game goes because that that is a bad Miami of Ohio team. That is not Wally Zerbiak we're going up against there, but. With Miller, we all know he's an incredibly good shooter in practice, and we've seen some flashes of it, some moments of it since he took the the floor as a Hoosier. Um, And so a lot of it is, okay, what kind of openings is he going to have on this offense? And when he gets them, are they going to fall? And early in this game, they were not falling, and you're like, ah, Miller Miller needs this up at the top of the season against good opponents because I really feel like those five points to ice the game for us, if you will, uh, boy, that's just had him feeling good for the last 48 hours. And hopefully he can continue to build on that. So by the time we all go to Vegas and you guys go to Lawrence and 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 the the Bloomington crowd gets to see us take down North Carolina, we know he's going to knock a few critical shots down every game. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the confidence that has to come, that you hope comes with those shots is huge. All right, you need to get going. You're going on vacation. Enjoy. Thank you. We are going to bring on a special guest right now to continue the intro and get his perspective the in, in only the way that he can deliver it. And then we have a great guest for our interview today. So... Let's get to it. Here comes a guest host. Here comes a guest host. I'm the teammate that worries about other people being focused, not you, okay? You're a fake teammate, <laughs> so you don't forget that. Hello, everyone, and we are here with a very special first-of-its-kind thing on Hoosier Hysterics. We have a special guest host for our intro because Ward is on vacation. Now, we've done an intro for this gentleman several times. We all know Big Ten Player of the Year, stud, one of the best all-time players at Indiana University, has an opinion on everything, which is why we love him. But I wanted to dig a little deeper. 
to give him proper intro. Did you know that this gentleman in 1997-98 season had 14 games of double-digit scoring in the NBA? He once led the Orlando Magic in scoring with 16 points, tied for the lead with tied for the team lead with eight rebounds in a five-point loss against Grandmama and the Knicks. He followed that game up with another 16-point performance, one point off the team lead in a 10-point loss to the Cavs and Sean Kemp. But he was traded to the Nets that year, where he dropped another 16-point performance and single-handedly led his team to a 15-point win against the Mavs. That's right. We get into the weeds. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, live from his car, Brian Evans. <laughs> Do you Thanks, remember sir. those games? Do you remember those games at all? Unfortunately, because there wasn't enough of them. Yeah, I can remember pretty much all of them. They were your three, I believe, highest scoring games in the NBA. 16 points. You did it three times. Yeah, only because I didn't play enough minutes. I mean, it yeah. could have been more. It should have been more. It should have been more. No, it's a long time ago. And I, you know what, though? I appreciate you digging in there. I mean, that extra research is that's good. It's really coming together. So how the hell are you, man? Good. We're doing good. Yeah. Uh, You look cold, cold Indiana Uh weather here at the end of November. Cold Indiana weather, holiday week, trying to get some stuff done so we can move on to this uh, Thursday feast. All right. Before we get into uh, basketball talk, this is the first time in public we can say congratulations to you for the recent commitment of your daughter to play volleyball in college at a school we don't love, but it's an amazing place for your daughter to go, Michigan. Uh, that's got to feel pretty great. Speak, for, Thank you. Speak for yourself. I now love Michigan, so oh, I've, I have completely reinvented myself. I'm a huge Michigan fan. Oh, um, yes, we just did her uh, official visit a couple weeks ago, and it was pretty awesome. You can see how they um, – They use football to their advantage the whole weekend. They do a great job of incorporating football games and football is paying for a lot of cool facilities down up there. I'm telling you really nice stuff. I'm, I'm excited for her. No, look, I, I, we don't have to get too far into it, but I do think it's interesting because we don't often get the perspective of what other schools look like. And Michigan is along with Ohio state, the class of the Big Ten when it comes to football, revenue, football facilities. You've seen Indiana facilities overall. You're pretty well-versed there. What is there a giant difference between just overall level of facilities at Indiana and overall level of facilities at Michigan? I, I think when you factor in, keep in mind, I haven't seen everything. I've seen sure. Cook Hall. I haven't seen what the football team has. We didn't, we, we're not, we didn't look at anything that's football has all their own stuff up there. Right. I can't imagine what that looks like, but this was like, so exclude Michigan football. All the other sports are training in the same facilities, uh, like their workout weight room and everything. It's state of the art. I mean, really? Yeah. Just, just, just way, way, way above and beyond anything I've ever seen. And there may be a lot of schools that have this stuff, uh, I just haven't seen them. You know, and keep in mind, I, I, where have I traveled in the last 10 years? I don't know what's going on out there. This was really impressive. Um, 
what else did I see that was amazing up there? Like I said, their indoor track and field stuff was crazy. I mean, just think like um, Augusta National, how they have all the systems underneath the turf to suck the water. I mean, they have these facilities that they, the track can move and they can create more slope if they want. Everything was, I mean, they just walked us around and showed us all this stuff. Everything seemed brand new and really, really nice, put it that way. And, mm-hmm. and training training tables, they have these fueling stations all over the place. You got to remember, back in the early and mid-90s, our training table was steak and shake So on, on walnut. So <laughs> I'm easily, I mean... It wasn't very hard to blow me away, but Got these it. fueling stations are just loaded with protein-heavy foods. I mean, anything these athletes want, it's right there at their fingertips. They don't have to go far to get anything. They've, I think, more than anything, Michigan has really thought out the life of a of a an athlete, you know, and making things accessible and just right there. So the academic counseling. They've got so many resources at their fingertips, but they don't have to go very far to get any of these things. That's what's really cool about it. Yeah. Well, look, that football money goes a long way. That's the truth. The football money is real. I, that, I can I can confirm that. <laughs> All right. Let's get into why you're on this podcast today. Indiana basketball, a lot of hype around this team, a lot of buzz. A lot of high expectations. We're four games into the season. And if there's one guy out there who's going to cut through the hype, cut through the buzz, and give us the straight shit, it's going to be Brian Evans. So what do you see from this team so far? And if you want, we can talk broadly, or we can go right into the Xavier and Miami of Ohio games. But what what are you seeing so far? Well, we're going to do whatever you want. It's your podcast. <laughs> you're going to you're acting like you're giving me options and I know that it's that it's still going to be whatever you want it to be and I'm fine with that. And I'm not Now we've painted some picture. I'm this like hard ass. No, you're it's honest. Always tough on the team. You're honest. I'm really so far so good. I I think let's just talk about the m- most recent two games. Okay. Um they needed to go get that win at Xavier. I, I'm I'm afraid we're building it up a little bit, like Xavier's a powerhouse again, and and I don't think that they are. Okay. Um. But but you go on the road, you know, early in this season, and you could tell that was a that was a, that was a good environment. You know, right. I'm not gonna say it was hostile, but but they had fans. You're they're rooting against you, and you got to finish the game, and so. You know, I was at the edge of my seat. I don't like that. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little testy that I had to get so worried late in the game. I'd like to just sit back and relax and enjoy it. Sure. Um, they didn't. They didn't let us do that. At the no. very end, we had to bite our nails, and I wore my fingernails down to the nub. But they got it done. Made enough plays to win the game. I, I mean, I am excited about the season. I, I, uh, I, I think we've got an interesting mix of youth and um, experience that a lot of teams don't have. So I do think we have something that is lacking out when you look around the landscape of college basketball, maybe a couple teams, Carolina, Gonzaga, you know, have that have really good young players and they have established veteran guys that know how to lead and we have it. So I don't think there's a lot of teams that can say that. All right, I want to start with the the head of the monster, if you will, and uh, and that is Trace. 
So look, you and I have talked about this on air, off air. There's no doubt that Trace's game is what it is. It, it, he's not a guy who's going to pop out and take a bunch of 15-foot jump shots. He's not expanding his game to the three-point line. At least we have not seen that despite all the BS talk in the offseason about how many shots he put up. But I would say to you, Brian, if you can go into Xavier against two big guys, Jack Nungy and and the other guy who I always forget his name, Hitchcock or Blaylock. Fremantle. 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 When you can go in there and score 30 by staying within five, six feet of the bucket, I will say my uh, untrained eye, it did look like there were a bunch of moves that Trace was putting on to get those 30. There were spins under the bucket. He did use his right hand to finish a couple of those reverse layups. He did do a left-handed jump hook. There were a bunch of ways that he scored under the bucket. But what are you seeing from Trace so far this year? Well, a lot of what you saw, how he's able to score that many points right around the basket is impressive. You're using his right hand a little bit. I mean, he's using the basket as a, you know, defense and getting to the other side of the rim. Um, impressed by all that stuff. I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing with him so far is that I I think at times last year and the year before he was on a, you know, everyone, the pressure to get out of here as soon as you can and get into that NBA draft. It's like he was forced in situations, which is also normal as a younger player. So what I'm seeing right now that's encouraging is that I think he realizes he's got some shortcomings when it comes to the next level, but if his team wins and wins big, that's the best thing he could position himself for the next level is if, if they say, you know what, he is what he is. He's a good athlete, but he's a winner. And he, he led his team. That's his best chance at this point in time, I think, to have an impact at the next level. So it seems like he's embraced that. seems like he's leading guys. Maybe he's a little more relaxed going, I don't have to just race out there and try to show people I can shoot a 17-footer. You know, he, and he hasn't done that. That would be hard to do because so many people talk about it. And if you worked at it all summer, either A, he doesn't feel very good about the work because he still doesn't need to do it. He's getting right where he wants to go. Right. So instead of, you know, talking about what he's not doing well, if he can get to where he wants to go and, and, and shoot layups on him all day and score 30, then uh, have at it. Right. I remember, look, you – you know, when Trace had his huge game of 40-some-odd points last year against, you know, St. Mary's of the Blind. Um, Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, sure. You you were one that was like, yeah, it was a bunch of dunks against a team that couldn't stop him. I don't think Xavier's a powerhouse, but it is a road game against a real opponent with a real coach with some real size. And he dropped 30 on them and I think missed one shot that game or something like that. So... Um, he does seem to your point, you use this word. There does seem just like a calmness or as you said, a a relaxation to him. I saw it a lot in the Miami of Ohio game. He went for what, like 18 and 15 or something like that, but it was so calm, nothing forced. He knew the game was going to come to him and he waited for it. And then when it was there, he just took it in a way that I just have not seen that level of maturity from him on the court that I've seen in these first several games. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, I hope that we, I hope he continues because 
I'm telling you, it is different when it's bigger bodies. And in, in him, more than anybody I can remember through the years, um, the Big Ten bodies have given him the most trouble. We yes. meaning he picks on these these smaller teams. Now I'm gonna I'll hand you that um, with Nunji. That's a Big Ten body. You know, yeah. it was an Iowa guy. But we're 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 speaking the same language. I mean, that's when you see that just when there's always length, um, it does bother him. And yeah. he, you know, he's he starts if there was any knock, he really likes to start with his back to the basket. And if he if he if he has the ball facing up, he still likes to turn his back to the basket and start working, you know, his left hand kind of back and forth and spin. I'd like to see him, you know, hard jab step and get by people and try to take off on them a little bit more. He's having, you know, at this, the teams we're playing, he's having a success doing the way he's doing it. So you can't knock, you can't knock it. And, but I love that he's shooting a really high percentage. He's not trying to score 40. He's, you know, against Miami, Ohio, 18 and 15 is a good game, you know, in 28 minutes, that's, that's doing really good work. And so, yeah, I, I'm so far he's, he is the leader of the team for sure. I don't think you can question that anymore. I always, last year in his sophomore year, I, I, I saw him and I didn't really see him as a leadership guy. Right. You know, you, you shared some things that, you know, he said to you and that he said in the paper that I didn't catch over the summer, you know, when he decided to come back and why he decided to come back. And I, you know, it, it measures up with all the things that he's doing right now. Yeah. I look, I don't think trace is a natural born leader. I, I just don't think, you know, you've, you've been around guys that are that, you know, you have that in you where it's just, you're going to go out and lead and, and you're going to um, bring guys along with you, whether they want to or not. And if they don't want to, they're going to get left behind. I think Trace is just a really good guy. I do. I think he's a sweet kid who who is really friendly. His teammates love him. Um, but I don't think like that killer instinct, you know, that that some leaders in, in sports have, I don't think that's natural to him. I think he's a guy who's had to realize I have to be the leader here, and he's growing into it in, in the best way that, that he can. Um, but I want to talk about, some other guys, because one thing I know about you is you like skill. You like real basketball skill. Let's talk about Malik Renew. What are you seeing from a freshman, 6'8", lefty, sounds familiar, very different game than the six foot eight lefty that I'm talking to on the phone, uh, on the Zoom, but what do you see from this kid in his early career? A lot. I mean, I'm, I told you the other day, I'm excited about him. He's, you know, more than anything else, it's, I don't think he's, first of all, he's, he's got a good body on him for being a freshman. I mean, that, he's got a junior, senior kind of frame for sure. He already has it. But I think more than anything is he just has a, a knack to play the game. Yeah. Just, it does, it, it doesn't look like he's having to try really hard uh, he obviously he's trying hard. It comes pretty natural to him. He fits in out there already. There, it doesn't look like a freshman who is getting sped up by the pace of play. Right. 
you know, I, I don't know if it, if this kid's just a stud or how much of that Montverde Academy, you know, they've played a lot of big games. I mean, they're, they were, they were basically playing a college schedule. Um, that may be a big part of it. I don't, you know, I don't really know. Yeah. I, I, I've seen them a couple of times on TV, you know, that team play and uh, certainly they're playing high level talent, you know, every time they go out there, they're not playing, you know, Terre Haute North and Sullivan, like I was playing. Um, so it's a different deal. I mean, these guys are coming to the stage way more ready to go. But I like everything about him. I mean, I he was getting banged a little bit in the Xavier game, and I, I thought a couple of times got fouled on putbacks that they didn't call. But his his body's ready. I mean, he's banging around with guys. I. I think as the season goes on, we'll see him knock down some important three-point shots. He's got he's got the range. We haven't seen it, you know. I think he's maybe taken and missed a couple. I think when I look at his shot, though, and I look at him at the free throw line, I think this guy's going to knock down some critical threes at some point in time this season. Um, what do you take from? The fact that he got that technical in the Xavier game, uh, you know, X got a, a technical in that game. Race got a technical in this last game. There is some emotion. Look, I hate how the game is being called right now, but this team does play with some emotion that we haven't really seen much of the last, I'll call it five, six years. What do you think, especially when it comes to Malik of the jaw jacking and the, and the, and the, the trash talking a little bit. I don't know. I, you know what? I haven't watched enough of them to know. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, if we lost the game, I'd be singing a completely different tune. Because <laughs> um, you don't want to see that late in the game. And when X got one, yeah, I just you just don't want to see it. it when you, you know that you can't turn. It's such an NBA thing to turn to the other team's bench and blah, blah, blah. It's much more effective if you say nothing. If you right. backpedal and act like it's no big deal, these guys are just too young and immature to know that. But being a, an assassin, don't say anything. Just back up and act like you're going to do it all all night long. I, he's he's going to figure that out. So for Malik, they don't know how the game's going to be called. I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm not impressed with the way they're calling games. So I'm not. I, I wasn't overly critical or harsh when those guys got technicals. When you played your teammates, who were the trash talkers? Were there any? Did 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 you have any guys on the team that you had guys that played with emotion? There was certainly emotion. I mean, Alan Henderson played with a lot of emotion on the court. Yeah. But any any trash talkers? No, you know, not really. I I would be shocked if any of my old teammates would disagree with that. I coach commanded the room. I mean, there was there was one person that was doing the talking. And he would tell you that he would say, Hey, I'll do the, I'll talk to the officials. You don't need to talk to them. And, and he meant it. So anytime yeah. he said something, you're like, you know what? That's a good point. Um, we knew what he wanted out of us. And it was, he was demanding enough. You had to focus on what you were trying to do and jaw jacking with other guys. I mean, I'm sure a little bit of that went on Calvert. Look at Calvert. And one of the mm-hmm. nicest guys to ever walk the face of the earth. He went, Nose to nose with Dwayne Morton and yeah, one like of my favorite moments. At him. One of my favorite moments. Clean block that was, too that they called the foul. It was a clean block. That was an out of body experience for him. He's his heart rate's probably still a little bit up from when that <laughs> happened. 
Um, yeah, but we didn't. Nobody was really talking trash. The, some of the Fab Five, some you know, speaking of Michigan, yeah, those guys. You know, Alan and I were the same age out of high school. They were always pretty hard on him, and that would have been a, if there was any game that Alan would talk some trash. It would be against Michigan because those guys were those guys were coming after him. And Alan had some you know, big games against them. He did. He played real well. But yeah, for sure, that those guys they talked a lot of trash to Alan. So I think. I think he talked back some. I've probably asked you this before, but since we're back there, what team, I mean, there were just some beasts teams that you guys played against in the Big Ten. Michigan was so good. Ohio State was so good. Um, Who was your, uh, Purdue had some great teams. Who was your, who was your team that you loved playing against the most? Like, who did you relish beating the most? Was it Purdue because of the rivalry or was there someone else there? Well, you you said it. I mean, there you you named three teams that were really at the top of that list. Michigan, they got they had so much hype, and in our case, Alan and I, we play, you know we we started playing against them when we were thirteen in AAU ball. So we we had deep seated hatred for those guys long before we got to Bloomington. Um, Ohio State was interesting because they were really good. Jimmy Jackson was very very good, and that being Coach Knight's alma mater, like. Yeah, there was something a little extra there too, but I I would have to rank everybody just a a step behind Purdue. There, there's nobody, there's nobody you want to beat more than those guys, and yeah. they they would love to hear that because they want they like to matter. They they like to feel good if they heard me say that because <laughs> such losers. Um, and they and they are and they remain that to this day. I mean, they're the worst. They're the they worst are. fan base of all time. Um. I'll leave it at that. I could go on and on, but yeah, I, I, like I hate them. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the current team. Let's go to the other freshman who is struggling a little bit when it comes to shooting the outside shot. But again, I know how much you respect skill and, and you talked about Malik having a feel for the game. Uh, I, I would also, I think you would probably agree with this. He seems to have a very high basketball IQ. Um, which we have lacked on on Indiana teams over the last half decade or so, and maybe even a little bit more. But Jalen Hood Shafino seems to fit again to my untrained eye. A couple of those categories. What's your take on him so far? Um, I'm a bit. I'm gonna. I'm a fan. I mean, I love composure out there yes. when I can see it. Uh, he's got it in spades. Um, the, the announcer was even remarking about his. His facial expression doesn't change much. I love that. I think that's, especially for a young player, that it's easy to get, you know, over your skis a little bit in the game. He just, he looks like he's balling in a park. Um, you can't, you can't teach that. I don't think. Right. If he's six five, he's a pro. Now, I, as I'm watching him, I don't. He he could be six three, but if he's six five, he's he's got a man's body too. But just a real – both of these guys, you know, and that's what makes me wonder if it's this academy they played at. Just both of them have just nice, you know, moxie on the court, certainly basketball IQ. Um, I, I think a lot of reason to be excited about those two guys. I, I, I like them both a lot. You know, it's funny. Where he, he gets where he wants to go. Like, okay, so he's not knocking down all the jumpers yet. He doesn't look like he's having to – put a move on somebody right and go between his legs behind the back to get to the elbow. He just goes to the elbow 
and can go up and shoot. I don't, I'm telling you, there's not that many guys that I, that I could say that about. And I don't remember he's doing Indiana. It, he's doing it now. I don't remember Indiana having a guard like this, especially a point guard ever. I mean, really ever. I don't, we've had great point guards, no doubt, but Yogi Ferrell was a great player, you know, but a very different player. I mean, Damon played a lot of point guard for Indiana. Very, although there, I, I do think there are some similarities between Damon and Jalen. That's funny that you say that. If I had to pick who's the closest, I would say Damon. Right, the composure, um, the skill level, the the strength. Damon was a real yep. strong guy. Um, didn't seem rattled by anything. I would, uh, other than coach, yeah, you're right. But um, <laughs> no, it's it's it's. I don't mean it. I don't mean that to be an attack. I do see a lot of similarities in him. Just Damon was always that strong. I mean, he came to IU. I don't know that he got any stronger when he was there, but he, he didn't have to. He right. was plenty strong. Um, I, you didn't see a lot. Of, he, he spent so much time setting guys up his first three years. It really wasn't until his last year that he was really looking for a shot in the offense and where he would make a play like I just mentioned, where he'd get to an elbow jumper if, if that's where he wanted to go. Um, I'll go back to that. If this, if this kid is 6'5", Look out. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, all right, we talked about Trace, Jalen, and Malik. Let's talk about a couple of the other guys that came back. Uh, a guy that drives fans nuts and then fans love him, Xavier Johnson. So in that Xavier game, I think we saw good and bad Xavier, but ultimately we don't win the game without his 23 points, seven rebounds, you know, made big plays, had a few turnovers that were boneheaded. And you're like, why would you do that? But what, what's your take on X as you watch him, especially in that Xavier game? You know, he, he's, he's a little bit of an enigma to me. You know, I, I, he has to play good for us to be good uh, or has to play well for us to be a good team. I I saw a quote from uh, Woodson, and it was it was something along the lines that he doesn't. Ha- he's trying to get him to understand he doesn't have to have a career game for us to win a game. Right. I thought that was really good because I'm seeing some of that too. Like he's trying so hard, and he wants to make all the plays. He he ended that last season so you know with such a strong stretch that I almost feel like he's trying to come out and recreate that every game. He does, he does not need to, to, especially in the preseason, to win these games. He's going to have his moments. Um, he gets going a little too fast sometimes, but that's yeah. also what makes him hard to play against, you know. Coach Knight used to say that all, all the time to, to us. Uh, he said it to me a lot is, you know, be hard to play against. And he, and he kind of is. He's in your face. He's talking trash. He's picking up full court. I mean, you. I, I got to imagine by the end of the game, whoever he's played against is about, you know, about tired of seeing him. And right. And that's you know he's got that quality. And, and you know what? We need a little bit of that edge. He's got a little bit of that street toughness and edge that it's not a bad thing. I. I it's like the simple plays that he goofs up. He makes these heroic drives that somehow he gets the ball up there and makes it, and it, and it seems like it's a miracle. Um, I get sideways over that that post feed that wasn't even close 
but in a critical in a critical critical situation that's what scares me but here's the thing i like the ball in in jalen jalen's hands already at the end of the game he just he's got that calmness to him that i i like the ball in his hands and i think now we have options that if he can if he can uh prove to be a free throw shooter then we keep the ball in his hand at the end all the time yeah i'm with you um Race Thompson has been an enigma so far this year. Uh, he ended the season not great last year. Seemed like he ran out of gas, truthfully. Um, had to play a ton of minutes last year because there really was no backup. Now we have Malik, who's playing you know, close to starters minutes right now when he's not in foul trouble. Even when he is in foul trouble, like in Xavier, he played the last nine minutes of the game with four fouls. But Race seems to not have found his footing yet on this team. What are you seeing from Race? Well, <laughs> I think he's hearing footsteps is what I really think. Yeah. And I think for good reason. Um, we've already covered Malik. I think that, you know, I don't know what Mike Woodson's going to do. I, I know that at times, it, it, it at least my impression is that it's an NBA team and he was a, he was known as a veteran guy. And I played for a couple guys like that. Chuck Daly was like that. It's just career NBA guys believe in the, the veterans. And they just look at the young guys like, hey, prove it to me for a couple years kind of thing. I I hope that we get to where we're, we're not doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I believe race race's best basketball might have been when he was a sixth, seventh man and came in and we said, Hey, give us huge energy minutes. And that could be 15 to 25 minutes in a game and take the pressure off of him. I I don't think he's a go-to guy. And when we try to throw it, when I heard the announcer say this, we try to, we try to throw it in the post to him with his back to the basket. That is a complete and utter waste of time. Like what he doesn't have a back to the basket game. I don't know why. He's the transition guy that runs the court. He's a garbage man, right? Yeah, fill the lane, get a dunk, um, a tip dunk off of yeah. a miss. If you try to, if we're going to try to pretend that he's more than that, I, I, you know who is more than that? Number five. <laughs> Let him do that. Let right. him do those things. Throw the ball into him. Let him. Uh, let him go a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I would like to see that happen. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. So I'm not holding my breath. I do think Coach Woodson's going to stick with his lineup. He proved that to us last year when when at least we were thinking there should have been a couple moves being made and maybe yeah. pull a guy out and plug a guy in. I don't think it's going to happen this year either. I, I hope I hope it does because I think it puts uh, race back into maybe a more of a comfortable position. And he's getting up there in age. I mean, you got to figure with his knees and his hips, he's got to be hurting. Yeah. He's 35 or 40, whatever he is. <laughs> What do you buy the argument at all that having Malik come off the bench against, you know, either some winded starters or the second unit from somebody else's team, you have a guy that you know you can go to and get 10 to 14 points a game and having that coming off the bench, that is really valuable. Whereas last year when we brought anybody off the bench, we knew that there was no chance we were going to score. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, there's that argument, I think. That's that's fair. Could he be that, you know, Mark Aguirre? 
Right. But, you know, just a guy that, you, you know, if he was a sixth man, he still could make the all-star team, right? Right, Because right. he was that good. It's kind of instant offense. You know, you, you could do that, but I don't know. I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know why I I'm seeing so much talent in that kid. I'd want him to play. I'd want to see how, how good could he get? He may be the, the, that puzzle piece that could take us to a title. Let's see how good he can get. Why, why put a roof over his head and say, Hey, you're going to play behind race. I, I think he's the better player. So fair enough. Uh, let's talk about Miller cop uh, brought into Indiana last year to hit threes, right? That's why he was brought in. He shot 36% from three last year. Not great, not terrible, but not great. Not anywhere close to what we thought it was going to be. He started off this year with a, with a couple games where he hit everything. Uh, what two of five against Miami of Ohio hit a big three against Xavier after struggling, but hit a big three at the end of the game. And then two free throws. What are you seeing from Miller this year? Any, any difference from last year? Um, he, I mean, he hit a huge shot in that Xavier game. I mean, that, that that corner three again. It's an open shot in the corner. I'd like to think he he's, he's supposed to hit that shot. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, so far, same guy to me. You know, he. I think he had a, a two for eight game, and it's not like those don't happen. They they happen. He's not going to be a high volume shooter, right? You know, I don't think there's ever any games that he's going to take 14 or 15 shots. I can't, I can't imagine why, um, you know, I, I, with him, it's more about the rest of the stat sheet. You know, I, when I look and he played 35 minutes or 32 minutes and he had zero rebounds that, that bothers me a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not going to create with the ball at all. So that when you, when you see that, if you're not going to get rebounds and, you know, I don't know that he's playing lockdown defense I, I i haven't paid close enough attention i don't think so far to say he is or isn't but i think you want you want a little bit more either you want <clears throat> leadership or you but or you got to shoot a higher percentage from three i mean you got to get up to that 38 to 42 and he has the, there's no question he has the potential to do that right you know he but that seems like what he year. That's what he has to do, right? I mean, if he's shooting 43% from three, then not getting a bunch of rebounds and not creating off the ball, he has real, still has real value for this team. Right. You know, I, I would like to see him let it loose early in the game, you know. To me, he's a guy, he's a poor man's Kyle Korver. And that's being generous, but. Yeah. Get See if you're hot, you know. I mean, that, that's what I'd be trying to get the guy. Hey, if you can catch a little hot streak, you're going to play 25 to 30 minutes. And if you you start one for five, then you're probably going to play 15 to 20 minutes. And and I'm sure that's 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 about the right amount of time, at least from my perspective, that, that he would play. And just taking a step back, I mean, I, we don't have to go through the whole roster, but taking a step back and looking at the team overall, style of play, uh, what what are you seeing just overall on how this team is playing? Are you enjoying the style of basketball that they are playing so far this season? It's better. Um, it is better. What what like what is it? What is it that's better? What do you like that you're that you didn't see enough of last year? Well, I, I mean, I like the ball in Hood Shafino's hands. <laughs> yeah. I feel better seeing him with the ball. I, there's composure there that I, I'll keep coming back to it that I just, 
I find comfort in somebody that has the ball that looks like he can't get it taken from him and he's not going to chuck it out of bounds for no reason. Right. So <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm really excited about that. Just let me stay there and just be excited that we're, I mean, because come on, the, the turnover issues that we've had and, you know, over the years, but last year in particular was, we didn't improve from Archie's last year where I thought we were just loose with the ball. Yeah. I thought we were loose with the ball a lot last year. And that was one of, one of the things I think I was most disappointed in was because I know Mike's preaching that, you know, yeah. but it was, it didn't translate. It hadn't happened on the court. I, you know, we seem a little bit tighter with it, you know, where there's not just like three or four or five turnovers that you're like, what in the world is that? Right. It's throwing it out of bounds to nobody. Um, yeah. By the way, Jalen you know, Hood, got, real quick, Jalen Hood, Shafino this year, again, it's only four games, but Xavier is in there. He's averaging four and a half assists a game and 1.8 turnovers a game. So he's doing better than two to one assist to turnover ratio. He leads the team there, you know, uh, pretty impressive for a freshman in his first four games to be there. Cause usually a freshman is the one that's chucking it out of bounds and getting sped up, but a four, you know, a two and a half to one assist to turnover ratio, pretty good. Yeah. I, Again, I'm gonna. I'll keep saying it. I'm super impressed, and I think he's gonna get way. But I think he's gonna have some big games. I think he's gonna have 15 and 10 kind of games, or 15 and eight. I think we're gonna see a lot of that with, you know. I think we'll see a lot of 15, five and five. You right. know, out of him. Well, there's not a lot of point guards that are doing that night in and night out. He he certainly has the capability to do that. And, and he, he looks like a man. He's going to play defense. Um, he'll be on the court. He's going to be on the court. And he's – I don't think the the jump to the Big Ten season and the physicality of the Big Ten is going to be as tough for him as it has been on Trace through the years. Yeah, it's funny, too, going back to Mount Verde for a second because I think it's a little bit like, to use Kentucky as an example, that, you know, Kentucky can say – look how many NBA guys we have put in the league, right? Like, it's a crazy number. Well, yeah, that's true, but it's also because that's who you recruited. (laughs) Like, that's who came to your school to begin with. You didn't turn them into NBA guys. They were NBA guys first. And with Mount Verde, they're at a place now where they are getting the cream of the crop from high schools across the country. So Jalen no doubt got better at Mount Verde, but he also came into Mount Verde as a guy with a frame like him, Malik came in as a guy with skill. They didn't, they didn't learn that at Mount Verde. They got better at Mount Verde, but Mount Verde's also picking the cream of the crop. It's a pretty good place. If you're going to focus in your recruiting, might as well go to a place that's already called from the best high school players in the country. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, um, I mean, they're playing way better basketball than a prep school. You know, I mean, back, back in the day, you know, in the nineties, you send somebody off to prep school. That's not what a prep school was back then. Right. Th- this is a different league. This is like the, with the G league or, you know, something else where the, these guys are being treated as pro basketball players. And now, now they're students again. I mean, I, I think they played last season, a pro schedule. So yeah. Both of them stand out, and and not that the other freshmen don't have a chance. Yeah, sure. Because I think I think they can contribute to the team, and you know I'm anxious to hear what you think of CJ Gunn and the guys that got some minutes against Miami Ohio. Yeah. But the, the the two stand out for sure. 
by a lot. No doubt. I mean, look, just physically, they stand out. I mean, look at compare CJ Gunn to Jalen Hood, Shafino, or Malik. I mean, they probably outweigh him by like 50 and 80 pounds. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, they just don't even look like the same person or the same age. But I will say my favorite thing about CJ, besides that everything we've heard is that he has the ability to shoot and he looks like he has a good stroke. I love his moxie. I mean, the guy just looks like when he comes into the game, he ain't scared. Like, he is not scared of the moment. He's not scared of playing. He gets into it. He he busts his ass on defense. He mixes it up. He's not afraid to shoot if he's open. Like, I just like the dog in him that I think has been missing so much on Indiana teams for the last many years. Well, you I mean, you can't have too many of those guys when you describe it like that. I haven't I don't think I've seen enough of them other than that this past game and let's face it that was not a very good team. Right. Fair. But I saw what you saw. I mean the the hesitancy to shoot that we've been seeing over the last yes. few years blows me away. I thought everybody wanted to score a bunch of points. <laughs> and yeah. I just thought everyone did. And you know, that, that whole dribble handoff at the top of the key that we saw, we've been seeing a, a steady diet of since Tom Crean. Yeah. And then Archie kept it going. I call it the globetrotter thing. I, I don't understand it. Um, I didn't see, I haven't seen any of that or very little of it so far. And, and I think we've got a pretty good balance to the, you know, we got some backcourt talent guys that can score on the backcourt front, obviously front court. Um, with Malik and and Trace, it's just pretty good balance, you know. Let's let's see it against a couple of good. It'll be it's gonna be fun. This Carolina game will be fun because then now you're playing against blue chip five star guys and yeah. I mean, look, uh, it's I mean, coming. That's gonna be fun. It's coming. It's it's North Carolina. It's Arizona. It's Kansas. It's like we're gonna have a really good idea of what we are. Not to say the team can't get better throughout the Big Ten season, but you're gonna really know who we are by the end of December. Like, how good can this team be? And we we probably won't win all the games, but are we in them? Are we competitive? Are we showing that we belong on the same court as these guys? I mean, I love that it's a road game in Kansas because there's not going to be – I mean, obviously, Purdue is hostile. You know, Michigan State is hostile. But there's not going to be an environment exactly like going to Fog Allen against a team that just won a national championship with a Hall of Fame coach – an NBA talent on that roster who's ranked in the top 10 again. So a road yeah. game in that environment will, will tell us a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, what else you got? What else you want to talk about? You I don't, I don't, know, I don't about? you know, those games like that, that's a, I think those are games that you have to schedule. Yes. And I don't know that it matters if you beat Kansas at fog Allen. You just can't get run out of there. You know, you can't go and lay an egg and look bad while we're trying to build this thing back. I mean, so play a competitive game on, you know, on the road in that situation. Those guys need to be in that environment. To your point, you're going to be in that environment in the Big Ten. So this one, you could go in there. You're really not even supposed to win it. Right. You know, back in the day, it was a little bit different. The expectation was to go and win on the road. I don't, I don't think that, they hurt themselves if they get beat in fog Allen field house, but as, as long as we compete play there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I still have like PTSD with my childhood in Kansas because Kansas seemed to be the team 
that even the great night teams just could not consistently beat. I mean, I think we beat them one time. Um, yeah, it, they were they were they had a good backcourt, you know, with a couple guys that played pro ball, Rex and and Adonis. Was it Adonis? Jordan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just sneaky. They were good together. Those two guys and Neither Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn. Jacques was Vaughn. Um, Jacques were... Vaughn was was just a IQ guy and a heady player. And he got the ball to, you know, that's why he had a 10-year pro career. He knew where to put the – he had a, a lot of guys. You know, he had Rafe and he had Paul Pierce. I mean, he had options. Um, they were tough. And they they didn't drop off. They were pretty good when I first got to school. They were they were already a good team. And that was Ostertag and those guys. Yeah. And they part, and Roy Williams parlayed that into a couple of really, really good recruiting classes. So they you – know, even though – they had some young guys I and mean, they still had veteran guys kind of like our team now. I mean, you had a mixture of young guys that were five stars and veteran guys that were good. Yeah. I wish we could go back and replay that elite eight game when Henderson was injured, Ugh. you know, I mean that one, that team, like I know people complain about the final four where Duke got all the calls. Sure. Yeah. But the year where Allen got injured, we were the best team in the country. And and there and I'm not sure it was even close. And I have to say this: that year, what really killed us was was I don't say me, but kind of. I mean, we Alan and I were much different players, but without him, you know, I started uh, starting those last handful yeah. of games at the end of the year. It was just a lot different than him. So we give up. I mean, Nover was such an undersized center, right? That Allen was really the center, but we played, you know, we called him the power forward. Losing him, because I'm a little bit taller than Nover, you know, we're now you have two like scrapper rebounder guys. Either one of us could get um, 10 rebounds in a game, but it's just different. Allen was just more length uh, defensively, weak side defensively. He, he was just, in a lot of ways, kind of underrated. And our, it just that changed our team a lot without his size. You know, we just and, and it made and everybody play. Hit. It made you play a different role too. I mean, you right. were not playing the role that you were perfect for, and you still you performed incredibly well. We made the elite eight. God damn it! I mean, like that's really good. Right. But with Allen and you sliding back over to play your natural position, I mean, Allen's rebounding is astounding. Like I, I do think it is underrated. As much as he's rated as a great player, it is hard to overstate how good of a rebounder he was. No, he no he he always was though. I mean, it, he had a um, he had a good nose for the ball, but more than anything, he just went after he went after rebounds. Yes, you know, he always pursued the ball, which sounds silly. Like, shouldn't everybody do that? But he he always did. And there's, there's, and I did too. When you, when I can't jump and run, and, and you got to go after balls because you could probably get one or two or three 50 50 balls if you right. just, you know, take two or three steps towards a shot. Sometimes they bounce to you. I, I'm sure I had more of those rebounds than anybody, but Allen still, as great of a rebounder as he was, he, he always went after the ball. Yeah. All right, well, look, man, this is as positive and upbeat as I have ever seen you. 
it kind of freaks me out. Is there anything that pisses you off about what you're watching in Indiana right now? Is there anything that bothers you? Like, can we get something that is upsetting you? Yes. Okay, yes, good. Can. Good. Um, I got to give you what you want. I feel like you want it now. It's too nice. Oh, to no. Now I, you don't like Right. I want it. Okay. I don't like the tucking in of the candy stripe pants into your socks. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. What's that about? I don't know. And I can't relate. It's It looks so corny to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, think about it. If that's the only thing bothering me, then that's a, that's a, that's a win for us. It is a, a corny look though. But again, we're really old. Yeah. I don't, oh, I don't know. I got to ask you about this. Have you been to assembly hall yet for a game this season? No. Okay. Um, because the new addition is there's a DJ. There's a DJ during the games. Yes. Uh, playing new music, hip hop during okay. timeouts. And I just really want to get your game day experience critique once you go to a game. Cause I have a feeling you're not going to love that. Yeah. You know what though? I'm changing, you know, Are I don't you? like being the, the negative guy. Well, I want to, when we played Duke at Cameron and we, you and I did talk about this the other day, they're blasting music. It's so loud. And then and the intent is just the place is just hyped and people are jumping up and down. It really fits in there. The loud music. It is going to be more challenging for me because it was more like a church, you know, when I played there. Right. And that wasn't great either. I mean, the fans weren't as good then as they are now. And if we needed to turn up the volume on the speaker system to get everybody hyped, if it gets what, you wait, know, what do you mean? a better home court advantage, great. What do you mean the fans weren't as good then as they are now? What What does that mean? Well, they're diehard fans. I'm not saying anything you haven't heard before. But what do you mean? We've, like, are they louder? We've done a lot, well, we've done a lot since the early 90s to create that student section. Oh, got it. Okay. Sure. Well, we always had a band. I mean, the band was has always been great. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, what it was, it was the older people the older folks that had been, you know, three or four generations of season ticket holders were closer to the action. Yep. Um, I mean, that's one thing. Number two, they've been spoiled for a lot of years and they've watched a lot of great teams. And there was always kind of this sense of, you know, Bobby better get his boys playing because right. we're, you know, tied when halfway through the second half, it was almost like, a, you remember those applauses. It's like the game's not going our way. And, yeah. Damon's walking it up the court and all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Let's go ahead and cheer for these guys a little bit. Maybe that'll work because they're really not getting it done on their own. So let's just clap a little bit and see if they get their head out of their ass. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. It's real. It's real. It's true. Um, I always ask you to share uh, a Bobby Knight story. I This is one you have shared with me off the podcast, but I think it's, it's okay. If it's not okay, I'll cut it out. But you had the uh, good fortune, I would say of keeping a relationship going with coach Knight after your playing days where you're a grown ass man. And if you want to have a libation, you can have a libation. There was a golf trip, I believe in Ireland where you were there with coach 
and you told me about just the kind of weirdness in ordering a beer around Coach. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't indulge, and so he just saw it as uh, he's a leader. Okay, let me let me think how I want to say this. He's a yeah. leader. Okay, and so he doesn't like to drink uh, beer, so. He is leading all of his friends to that same type of lifestyle. I, on the other hand, was on a golf trip in Ireland <laughs> and thought it was really important that I uh, I try out the Guinness over there because I'd heard so many things about it. Sure. And um, yeah, he just he just did a double take. He he looked at me and you just have to look at you have to be able to stare him in the eye and and then go about your business. I, he didn't he didn't talk any trash or tell me I couldn't have a beer. He just I was the only one that had ordered one. And he kind of looked at me funny, which is okay. He, that wasn't the first time he looked at me funny. And then I broke him in. But you know, later in the week on this trip, you know, he was asking me if I wanted a beer. He was fantastic. <laughs> I just love that at the end he's like, "Oh, cuz I can tell there's something <laughs> there's something about it that's like in his mind, he's somewhat like making fun of you, like this whole group of people. And he's like, oh, Brian, you want a beer? You want a beer? Like it's something my dad would do or something. Like, oh, you think you're a big adult now? You can have a beer? Well, what he did was he uh, he didn't want me to. He didn't want us to. And then right. I started ordering him. And then a bunch of other guys, which I have no respect for, had sat around and not had a beer, <laughs> and now they're going to have one because I ordered one. Yeah, um, you're a leader. You're a leader. And then, and then what happens is he realizes that it changes the bill. Then you get some the, the cheapskates that are on the trip that don't drink any beer. Now they're going to complain about divvying up the tab at the end of the at the end of the night. Now what coach used to do on this on these trips was he'd pay for everything. He'd pay for the outside of the flights he would pay for the hotels all the dinners all the golf and then they tell you what you owe at the end and so he was after the day the first day of having beer he says you know what this isn't fair for everybody else you guys we're not paying for your beers we're not going to divvy that up you guys are having multiple beers <laughs> and we're all going to end up paying for it and i said well coach how is it fair that you're getting all the points for all the hotels and, and everything else. I mean, your trip next year is already free and me adding a couple beers to, it's just going to get you, you know, another free uh, airfare. Come on. Right. Don't complain right. about it. Just nestle in and just get used to it. I love it. Uh, one other question before I let you go in doing the research on your NBA career, uh, you played with a lot of, you know, named household names, like in, in your time, your few years in the NBA, do you keep in touch with any of your NBA teammates? Do you, are you friends? Did you build any friendships in those three years with any NBA guys that continue to be friends in your life? I hate to say it, but no, not really. Um, you know, I think I've thought about it and I wonder why that is. And I think the main two reasons I, I did. I, I mean, I had some friendships that, you know, guys I really enjoyed spending time with really good guys. 
older guys that were kind of mentor type of guys. Derek Harper was one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to connect and go have lunch with him. You know, if he was around, I would do that. Um, Mark Price was great. I enjoyed wow. his company a lot. Just a great dude, great human being. Um, I think part of it was me, me being traded, you know, so I was a year and a half here. Right. Get traded. You know, if, if I had played five, six, eight years, I'm sure that, you know, there would be more friendships out there. The other thing is the phones, the phone, you know, you didn't trade numbers with guys. You didn't, you right. know, I'm going to ask you for your house number, you know, I'm going to call you at home and, you know, you just, so I think the phones changed the game too. If, if I was playing nowadays, I, you'd have every teammate in your phone, no questions asked. And then you'd always have a way to get in touch with them. And I, I just barely missed that, you know? Right. All right. Now I got to ask this because I'm me. If you got to name one guy that you played with on either team, on any team that you were with, that if you saw, you would walk the other way. Hmm. Anybody I played with, and you're talking NBA. Yep. Well, I mean, if you want to say an Indiana guy, you could, but probably probably Penny Hardaway. Really? Yeah, I mean, just not. You know, he was just a prick. I have a problem with him. No, it's not. Like I have a problem with him. I, I just, um, I, you know, I've got a couple of good stories, and well. Can give us one. We, we'll we'll say we'll save for another one. Well, he was really good friends with Jaleel White. You remember Jaleel White? Of uh, Urkel, of course. Urkel. So he they were buddies, and apparently I I uh, insulted Urkel or Jaleel <laughs> by calling him Urkel. <laughs> he came in the locker room one time, and when you're sitting in the locker room, you you know it's only your teammates and like the trainer and the equipment guy, the PR guy, the coaching staff. It's not that many people that walk through the door. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it, it's just not. So when somebody walks through, that's not one of those guys, it's you, everyone pays attention and, and takes notice of it because you're sitting there. You might be wearing a towel. You might not be wearing anything at all. Like you're not welcome. Then why are you here? Sure. And so one day I was sitting, remember Derek Strong? He played for Xavier. Yes. He's sitting right next to me. Great guy. You know what? That's a guy I'd love to reconnect with, too. He was a great dude. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there, and um, all of a sudden the door opens, and it's Jaleel White. Well, I didn't know him as Jaleel White. I knew him as Urkel. Right. <laughs> so I, 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 did, I didn't even, and I, I can see how this was insulting. I, I hit Derek. I was like, dude, it's Urkel. Look. <laughs> And uh, he came over to me. I was sitting in my locker, and he came over. He kind of stood above me, almost like standing over me, and was pissed and said, yo, it's Jaleel. And Derek Strong started laughing so hard he fell out of his chair (laughs) because he's laughing. Basically, he came over and felt like he he was going to punk me. Yeah. And uh, he kind of did. And so he starts laughing, and I started laughing so hard. Just I was laughing more at Derek in the fact that that, that had just happened. Right. And then, like, three or four, four days later, it was like before a game, Penny walked up to me in the locker room and goes, and he, he was a little too in my face. Like, he, it was just like he kind of came inside my, my space and said, hey, man, 
don't be insulting my boy like that. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, you know, my buddy Jaleel said you called him Urkel. I said, dude, come on, man. And he goes, I'm serious. Don't do not do that to him. I said, look, he walked in here. I called him Urkel. I, you know, I didn't mean any harm. And I just, you know, I just didn't respect it. It was like, well, is it really, did I really do anything wrong there? No. So. And like, I've heard this about Jaleel just being in the business because I've had some shows where we've tried to book him as Urkel, like to have him come do an Urkel thing. And, oh, it's a no, no, you can't do that. Oh, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The only reason Penny Hardaway was friends with him and the only reason he was getting access to the locker room in Orlando is because Urkel was a success. The only reason that Jaleel White has a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of is because Urkel was successful. So when these guys get all uppity about like, oh, wait, you're embarrassed by your own successful character? It's like when I go, it's like the five times I try to go and see Counting Crows in concert and Adam Duritz doesn't want to play all the songs that he wrote that I love. Yes, exactly. It's the same thing. Why would you not embrace what you're good at? What made you you? I couldn't agree more. That guy is Urkel. Or you could have gone with a more obscure reference and said, oh, it's Stefan. Do you remember that whole storyline? No. There was a time in that show where they created, I am sure they did this, by the way, Brian, because Jaleel got upset that everybody thought he was Urkel. So in that show, they created another alter ego called Stefan, not Steve Urkel, where he was the ultra cool guy. Like that, I'm sure they did that because he was getting worked up that people just thought he was the nerdy Urkel. But that's well, all a couple years, Yeah, because he wanted to go to clubs and hang with Penny and get attention from right. the ladies or the men or whatever he was into. And... um yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right, but I, I didn't watch that show. Like you're two years younger than me, right? You're right, still right. here, middle school. I, I was off in college. I wasn't watching Family Matters. <laughs> I knew who he was. I knew it was Urkel. You I knew he was that. Urkel. I love it. So it's fair to like, say it's fair to say you got punked by Urkel in the Orlando Magic locker room. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that. All right, I'm not. I'm not proud of it. I mean, let's not. Let's not turn it into something it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he had no. He he walked up and kind of stood over me and corrected me. Did you think about like standing up and like getting him the away from you, or were you just like I, I could? I was laughing so hard. Derek had fallen out of his chair onto the floor, <laughs> and I was just. I, I mean, I started laughing. He and I used to watch a lot of. We sat next to each other on the airplane. We had our own TV that we'd play. Dumb and Dumber, all the real good comedies from back yeah. in that era. Yeah, and we just and we, and we would have a ball and just laugh and laugh and laugh. And so uh, his laugh used to crack me up. So when Derek fell on the ground laughing, I I don't I don't even I wouldn't even pay attention to Urkel anymore. I was just dying laughing. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Well, we got a bright, sunny, optimistic Brian Evans today. It was a <laughs> treat. I love it. Look at that smile and those pearly whites. I got to tell you, man, I kind of like this you and me. I mean, maybe this becomes a regular thing. Well, you know what? I know he's going to listen. Of course. But I got I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that I'm 
I'm a way better uh, shotgun rider than Ward is. I mean, there's, there's just, there's no question. I mean, it goes back to talent. You know, like you and I talk about talent on the court. This is the same thing. It's like, you know, that guy in the stocking cap in his car is just a hell of a lot more talented than Ward. I mean, he, see, Ward, he's got to do the hair. He's got to, you know, he's got to, his appearance at, he couldn't come on like this, like I no, am. He couldn't no, do no, it. No, no, Can't no, be no, in his car, the no. car running in a parking lot outside of a big and tall store. I mean, he, <laughs> he couldn't do that. No, he couldn't. He's Hollywood. He, he is. Ward's Hollywood. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate your insight. You know I love you. And uh, we will do this again soon. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks All right. Me. Be good. And please stay tuned for our guest where Ward is back in shotgun. We are co-hosting again, and we've got a special guest with a really interesting, insightful, truthful, I would even say somewhat emotional conversation. So please stay tuned. Here we go. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have one of the most exciting electric Indiana Hoosiers in recent memory here with us. Uh, he's not actually here with us. He's actually on the other side of the earth in my my motherland, my home country. We'll get to that later. Eric, let's let's talk about who this gentleman is exactly. Hailing from North Babylon, New York, where he attended Long Island Lutheran High School in Long Island. He was, by the way, little known fact, born on Groundhog Day. Just, you know, putting that out there, born on Groundhog Day. He played varsity basketball as a seventh and eighth grader. And that just doesn't even make any sense. He was named the Nassau Player of the Year by MSG Varsity and Newsday as he helped Lutheran to their second straight appearance in the state finals. In his senior year, he averaged 20.3 points, 5.9 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2.7 steals, and shot 42% from behind the arc, and we know that very well. He was a finalist for Mr. New York Basketball by the Basketball Coaches Association of New York. He played in the Jordan Brand Classic, where all he did was score nine points, seven boards, and eight assists, and seven steals. He's like going for a quadruple double in the Jordan Brand Classic. He, of course, matriculated at Indiana University, where he is tied for 57th all-time in scoring. He had five steals in a game, which ties for 13th best all-time. Now let's get into his shooting. He is tied. I love these stats. He is tied for second best all-time at Indiana with eight made threes in a game. Just to put in context, context, Indiana last season made seven threes all season. I'm pretty sure that's what <laughs> <laughs> He is tied for third all-time at Indiana by making seven threes in a game. He is tied for fourth all-time at Indiana by making six threes in a game. He led the team in three-point makes in 2019 and 20. He was captain of the team with his buddy Al Durham. His brother is, of course, Danny Green, three NBA titles. He has gone on to a successful pro career where he's played in Greece and Hungary, and we're going to get into that. As Ward said, he is the most exciting player He's got great nicknames like Greenlight, Greenlight. He's got the uh, code for unlimited ammo on his arm and a tattoo. We'll get into that. He, he, he drew the ire and the love of Indiana fans coast to coast, and we're going to get into that. We're so happy that he's joining us. Please welcome Devante Greenlight Green. 
How you doing? Thank you, guys. I'm good. I'm good. All right, man. Let's start with where are you? Tell us what's going on in your life right now, because it does not look like you're in America. Yeah, I'm, I'm across the world right now in Hungary. Uh, we're six hours ahead from the East Coast of America. It's my second, uh, I counted as my second year pro because my first year was, you know, a little shaky. I got a, had a lot of ups and downs and didn't really finish my, my season because of that. Was that due to But injury? yeah, now I'm in Hungary. Was that due to injury? It was uh, diabetes. I got diagnosed oh. with diabetes my first year. So, what? And now that's something that you were never diagnosed with before. Do you think you had it your, your, for a long time, or does it does it come on late like that? No, I mean it was it was rare. They said it was rare that it came on this late. You usually get it when you're like eight to twelve, I believe. Right. But for me, it just came on for some reason in my twenties. So, but yeah, I mean it was it was something. It was, and I was in another country dealing with it. So. Oh, I decided to go back home, get my body right, you know, and and learn how to uh, control that before I continued to play. Um, so it's it's now like learn how to control it, like management of it. Is that just something you're you're basically going to have to do for the rest of your career, rest of your life, or... for the rest of my life? Yeah, uh, type one diabetes is irreversible, so um, I'm just going to have to I have to take insulin now every day couple times a day and uh learn how to play with it you know and and how are you feeling overall now do you feel good do you feel like you're back to 100 percent? yeah yeah i'm good now um i'm back 100 percent. never felt better and how's the year going how you shooting the ball because we know you're shooting the ball <laughs> of course of course yeah now everything's good so far so far so good and, and how far where, into the season get it, get it, eat it. That, my, eat it. <laughs> Where now look, this is where my my maternal side of the family, Hungarian, going back like a thousand years, I've never got to go. I, I very much mm. hope to sooner rather than later. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're living in Hungary? What's Hungary like? Are you just on the basketball court or have you got to look around a little bit? I've gone to explore a little bit. Uh, Budapest is my favorite city by mm. far. It's my favorite city in Europe so far, honestly um really fun i've been to another uh city called peach it's really nice out there as well but i'm about an hour from both cities i'm like so i'm like kind of right in the middle so but i get to travel a little bit and and it's been good so far what about hungarian food anything tasty um gulag i'm i'm very picky i'm very picky so my my opinion probably isn't isn't uh the best I stick to what I what I know and what I like. What what's that? You're in Hungary. You go out for to a restaurant. What do you get? Are you just looking for something really plain? Yeah, most like chicken. Anything, any type of chicken I can find. Some some beef, maybe you know, steak or something. Yeah. What what about the spirit of the Hungarian people? Are they they welcoming? Do, is do very many people there speak English? Can you really uh, connect with them at all? Yeah, they're they're very welcoming. Uh, in the city I'm in, they don't speak much English at all. Uh, Budapest has a lot of people speak English, and it's it's honestly real diverse out here. I'm out here right now, um, but yeah, very welcoming, loving people out here. Has it been hard for you? I mean, obviously your first year got cut short, but you were in Greece your first year, right? Um, yeah. 
has it has that just been a difficult transition at all for you going from you know being in new york being in bloomington and now you're in a different country where it's difficult to find people that speak your language what's that transition been yeah like? it's tough it's tough uh, especially i haven't been in like you know the biggest cities in these countries i haven't been living there at least so it's usually small towns uh not many people speak english like you might be lucky if like 50 percent or more speak english and uh everything is just it's just had going grocery shopping like everything's in a different language you know you can't ask for help because they might not speak english so it was a big adjustment and um I mean, I've learned to to be better after the after the couple of years I've had, and it's it's getting easier for me. But it's definitely tough. Can you say hello in Hungarian? Uh, yes. What is it? Uh, see ya, see ya, see ya. Yeah. Right. Nice. Very good. And right, how so about teammates? Uh, the the basketball team you're on. Um, what sort of the the makeup of that? Americans. Europeans guys on the team helping you adjust or what what's uh yeah what's it like when you show up on a new team in the middle of Hungary <laughs> you usually each team uh I think it's four uh not Americans but um foreigners but they're usually American so there's like three or two or three other Americans on the team with me and um you know the, the, all my teammates speak English so it was it was easy for them to talk to me and communicate, but um, they were welcoming too, and they they got uh, us adjusted like real fast. Did you know any of your teammates? Had you played with them or against them? Uh, or None. really, totally no, nope. totally no. Well, and have you become friends with them? Like, with I would imagine if you're only around like ten people that speak English, those become your quick friends, whether you yeah, like them or not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially the other American guys, because we're all in the same boat. So we all going through the same stuff. Got it. And we all live together. So that makes it easy. Oh, that's good. So what is the game like there? How is the game different than like what we're used to seeing on the college level or watching in the NBA? What What is the style of play there? Uh, it's, a, it's a whole different feel, really. I mean, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of defense being played, a lot of strategic defense being played. And uh, offensively, you have to be more, it's more strategy. Like it's just more plays being called, more in-game adjustments and uh, finding mismatches. Do you, do you enjoy that? Like, oh, this is a new style I get to learn? Or is it kind of frustrating and you wish they would play more like what you know? It's a, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both because um, I've been playing, you know, the American style my whole life. So, of course, I wish it could be more like that. But um, I'm definitely enjoying learning how to play this way. And uh, and it, it kind of like feels like, you know, like this is how basketball is supposed to be played kind of thing. <laughs> like, like this is the right way we should be doing it. We should have been doing it. But um, it's, it's fun. It's fun learning and uh and, uh, but it has it has its its bittersweet moments, you know. How sure. how many games into the season are you right now? Five. And and are you, how are you shooting the ball? Not my best, but you know, still shooting it. <laughs> get there, you'll get there. You gotta get warmed up. It's, it's early. It's early. Yeah. yeah. All and right. I had I had a, a little injury in the uh, beginning, so I was coming off of that uh, in the first game. Got and how, how long is the season? How long will you be playing? 
uh, nine months, 24 games. Wow. Without playoffs, before playoffs. Okay. Got it. All right. So let's jump in the time machine a little bit and go back to North Babylon, New York. You obviously come from a family, not just Danny, but, you know, your extended family, a lot of basketball being played in your extended family. Mm -hmm. When do you remember first finding the game of basketball? Uh, I think I was four years old. It was a, a league called NBAC, and uh, I was playing early, and, and I was always, you know, good even at four. So I just liked playing. Yeah. I, if I was good at something at four, I would keep doing it too. <laughs> well, and um, when you – in a family like that, and I don't know how often extended families around or how close they are, but but how much of learning the game and loving the game was was with family messing around out back or at a, a nearby gym, and how much of it was with, you know, more like a league, a school team? Um it's probably probably half and a half, I would say. Maybe a little bit more on the on the you know school and team side because my uh, siblings are a lot older than me. The age difference is is big, but growing up watching them, I seen them go through you know all the film sessions with my dad and and you know long talks on the rides home. So and then I had to go through it myself. So like we all knew, and it was real competitive. We always talk about you know who was better at this time and who did what better. But um, I would say half and half. Could you talk more about film sessions with your dad? Was was he a coach or was he just like really involved in helping you guys come up? He was he was very involved. Um, he was a coach. He wasn't our coach, but he was a coach, and uh, he he was a tough critic. He would he would point out every single thing. You know, we'd go over things, watch things back five or ten times the same play, and he'd point out with the with the uh, little laser what you did wrong <laughs> and you know it, it helped you just learn though yeah was it would he be like recording in the stands and then take the the film home or would he get it from yeah. the coaches he would take like the old camcorder yep he would yes. tape it and you know sometimes it'd be a little rough a little bumpy but <laughs> but he got it and, and we would go back and watch it amazing so look, we often talk to people about their influences, who they pattern their game after, and I want to hear I want to hear that too. But look, one of the best things about watching you play the game of basketball is you play it with a swagger that is just so freaking cool. I mean, it just is. <laughs> you don't care if you missed five shots before, you know you're going to make the next one. You have a confidence about your game. You you have a willingness to try and make a play that most people don't even see on the court. We saw that so many times in Indiana. Where did that swagger, that confidence come from? And I mean, has it has it ever gotten you really in trouble? <laughs> like, has it ever gotten you into a fight? Yeah, you know, it comes from. Being from New York, a guard from New York, you know, you, you come up playing in the parks and watching guys who played in the park. My favorite growing up was a, a player called Skip Tamalu. He was the reason, yeah, you know, uh, Ray for Alston, one of the only and yes. one players to play in the NBA. He was my idol and uh, I wanted to be just like him. So I would, you know, go in the backyard, practice things he did, and then eventually playing organized basketball with just like, mix in that style with my play 
Um, I wouldn't say my style. I wouldn't say my style of plays got me in trouble. Maybe talking, talking smack on the court has got me in some trouble. <laughs> but you know, people, uh, they, it's it's all fun. Uh, at the end of the day, they know, um, you know, that's just how that's how we play. That's how we play in the parks. Right. Yeah, and and I guess we didn't touch on that when we're talking about playing with family or playing on an organized school team. But but how much of your experience in the early years was going to some of those you know near nearby parks and finding games? Would you go to some of the the legendary parks in the city? Yeah, um, mostly was was a uh, local playing in, but um, there was also they would host tournaments in the in the legendary parks like Rucker. Yes. And, um, you know, Dykeman and stuff like that. So I would be in those tournaments and play in those tournaments also. Okay. Did you ever play against Skip Tamalu? No, what? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get to see him play, like, at Rucker Park? Did you see him, like, live, not in an NBA game, but in his element? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say got to see him because it was so packed, you had to, like, climb on the gate and, and look – past everyone so yes. i've seen him from a distance but it was it was uh still like something i would always remember i love that all right so i'm wondering growing up as the youngest with all you know these older you know sibling cousins who uh clearly are making a life out of basketball was was it just of course that's what you were going to do or was there like a moment or a season or a game or a conversation where you were like, oh, um, this is going to be my life too. Um, I think it was just from when I was when I was young. I mean, I never really thought of it. I just I just like playing ball, and then you know, every time someone asks you like, what do you want to do? I just I want to play basketball. Like that's what I want to do. And then eventually, as I got older, it's like, yeah, I can probably make a profession out of this, and you know, play as as a professional. So I don't think it was like a, a moment or something like that. I think I just it was just always instilled in me from my from when I was a kid. Inevitable. So you, yeah, yeah. Your career obviously. I mean, I I do have to ask. You played varsity ball as a seventh grader. First of all, yeah. how is that legal? Second <laughs> of all, Ward and I have daughters that are in seventh grade. I wouldn't let them hang out with varsity people, let alone play. They're 12 years old. And you were 12 yeah. years old playing with 17 and 18-year-olds? Yeah, yeah, I was. I, I think it's only legal in some states. I think I heard that. Yeah, but yeah. Legal in, it wasn't legal in Missouri, I can tell you that, where I came from. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, at 12, 13, I started playing uh, varsity. And uh, I was doing pretty well, too. I became a starter and, and uh, had some big games where I had, like, 17, 19. What did you weigh, like a buck oh five? Like, I mean, you must have been the smallest I was a tall guy. kid. I was a tall kid. I was – I was – I've been six one. I only grew one inch since since seventh grade. So, wow. I was 6'1", wow. and then I grew to 6'2". <laughs> God. Oh, it's funny because in the programs for Indiana, it always says you were a 6'3". That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, they always give you, you know, a little inch or so. <laughs> so, I, I mean, obviously your career explodes. You're you're making a name for yourself in New York basketball. It is not common 
for a New York basketball player to take his skills to Indiana University. That is not something that is a common pathway. There's a lot of Seton Hall, Syracuse, St. John's, you know, and even on the East Coast schools, Duke and, you know, uh, ACC schools. Um, tell us how Tom Crean came into your life and why you chose to come to Indiana. Uh, he came, he recruited me at a, uh... It was a game against Center Reach. I remember the exact game, but when I took my visit to Indiana, that's really what solidified me coming to Indiana. Like when I met him and the strength coach Lionel, they had this energy about them and and you know, like the just good spirit about them that I wanted to be a part of. And they made me want to be a part of Indiana after that. So um I think that's that's what sold me uh in the long run. But um, I always wanted to go away from school. I didn't want to stay in New York or even really? close to New York. I wanted to go away from home. Yeah. Got it. Well, I mean, when you when you get to Bloomington, besides official visit, they roll out the red carpet. You're seeing the banners there. They, but, but is is there, because we talk about this with you now being in Hungary, was there some sort of culture shock that happened when you get in a small Indiana town after growing up in New York? It, it was once once I actually got there because, uh -huh. you know, like you said, the visit is a lot different than when you actually get on campus. But um, it was still it was still a, a college town culture. And that's I think what I was looking for. Like, that's what I wanted to experience and experience something different. Um, I asked this with all the love in the world. Tom Crean has been on our show a couple times. And I ask this of every single person who's ever played for him. When did you realize he was a total crazy person? <laughs> uh, okay, I have a quick story. Um, yep. In practice one time, uh, I think I was on a fast break and I threw a behind the back pass to uh, Rob, Rojo. And uh, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't looking, so it just went right past him out of bounds. Uh, Coach Crean didn't see the play. One of the assistants told the play. He turns around. He's like, what happened? He's like, oh, uh, Devontae just threw a behind the back pounds, <laughs> behind the back pass out of bounds. He's like, he did what? Where did you <laughs> learn that? <laughs> Whoever taught you to throw behind the back pass? And then he made me run the entire stadium. <laughs> and I think that was like maybe my, it was like one of my, my first month in, at IU. It was, <laughs> it was early. So yeah. when when you run the entire stadium, is that going like up and down each aisle, all yep, the way around? Up each aisle, side down, up, up, down, and then all the way around the circle. <laughs> yeah, brutal. Uh, I, I get winded just going up to like the fifteenth row once walking. <laughs> uh, I get winded looking at them. So. <laughs> Look, you came in in an interesting time in an interesting recruiting class because the year before Indiana had a great year and won the Big Ten, and then a whole host of players uh, are gone. Yogi, obviously the 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 leader of the pack, they're gone. Uh, Troy gone. Um, Nick Zeisloft gone. But uh, you come in with a lot of promise. You come in with Deron Davis, who is a highly touted guy coming out of Colorado. Freddie McSwain transfers over from JUCO. Uh, Curtis Jones, who was who is a a really you know promising recruit. Grant Galon, 
I, we don't need to get into Grant, but whatever. He's part of your recruiting class. Um, not trying to shit on Grant, but I mean, come on. So, so you guys come in and Thomas Bryant has announced that he's coming back. OG is back. And there is, uh, and Juwan Morgan, of course, like there's a ton of expectation on this team. Cause it seems like Thomas is a bona fide NBA player. OG has made himself a bona fide NBA player by the way he exploded. Juwan is becoming like just a, a Swiss army knife player that can do everything. Mm-hmm. We've got outside shooting with you coming in. Seems like a lot of good stuff happening. Um, mm-hmm. What, what was, what were besides running up and down your, your third practice, what, what did it feel like? What did that team feel like when everybody was healthy and in those practices and early on? Uh, we felt like the best team in the country. I mean, we we were pretty stacked, like you said. It was, uh, you know, all of us coming in. It was uh, OG, TV, James Blackman. You still got Rob there as a shooter. Right. Josh Newkirk, the transfer from um, where did he come from? Pitt. Yeah. And, and, and then we came out our first game and beat Kansas. And we were like, yeah we're really we're really good <laughs> let's talk about that kansas game because you didn't just play kansas you played them in hawaii so you go to yeah. indiana and game one is in hawaii not bad uh and you're playing one of the you know preeminent programs in the country and you take them to overtime you hit a big three in that game by the way uh did it just feel like oh yeah th- this is it's, this is as good as it. This is why I did this. It, nothing's yeah. gonna go wrong here. No, it was, it was the per, it was the perfect start to my college career. I would say. I mean, what what was just because we haven't talked much about Maui with former players. It's just not something we've like. What's the experience like of? Well, it wasn't Maui. Wait, right? it wasn't the Maui Invitational. It was it was just a one off game against Kansas in Hawaii. Where, where was it in Oahu, I think it, Honolulu? I think it was. No, I think it was. I think it was Maui. Was it Maui? La, I don't. But it, I'm not sure. Be, but it, but it was a it was a tournament because there was there was another game, also either before or after us. Yeah, but the winners did play miss- each other. It was just a well, show. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I, I guess I'm more into like. You get to go, you, you yeah. fly thousands of miles to a tropical paradise, but is it like totally a business trip or did Coach Green be like, hey guys, let's let's go out to the beach for a couple hours and appreciate being in Hawaii? Yeah, no, I mean it was it was a whole experience. They uh, we went we went on a um a submarine, like we went to visit like uh you know, like uh the, the navy um I don't know, one of the submarines there, I guess. And uh, they, they gave us a tour of the sub. Uh, we was on the beach a little bit. They, they gave us, uh, it was like catering on the beach. It, it was a whole a whole experience. It wasn't just, you know, strictly business. Um, do, for clarity, I believe it was in Honolulu, this game. And Honolulu. it was the Armed Forces Classic. I think yeah. this was yeah, the game that was I think it was supposed to be played on the aircraft carrier, but there was like wind that went go was going crazy, so they just moved it to a, a regular gymnasium indoors. But it was the Armed Forces Classic, which is also very cool. Yeah. 
be involved with something like that. And you open college basketball. I mean, it's it's a very cool thing. Your opening of your career is against Kansas in Honolulu, in the Armed Forces Classic, and you win. I, I have mm-hmm. to ask. I have to ask. Did you get laid? Did did they put a <laughs> did they put a lay on you when you got uh, there? What, what did you think I meant, Eric? I mean, that's what you get from us. That's what you get from us. I love it. They they did. Yes, we we did get laid. We all all of us. Hawaiian oh, hospitality. Um, <laughs> now, Coach Cream was known for his perpetual tan even in the middle of winter in <laughs> Bloomington. So he had to have really been at home rocking a tan in Hawaii. Yeah, he, he was, yeah, he was almost, I think my color, I think out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the year starts, you go three and O to start, including a win against Kansas. And then you go to Fort Wayne and you lose to Fort Wayne, which was not great. Right? Not yeah, good. Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. But you do bounce back immediately and you come home and you get to play again. Kansas, I think, was ranked number three in the country when you played them at the beginning of the year. And now North Carolina's ranked North number Carolina. three in the country. And you get them. And you smoke North Carolina at home. You're seven mm-hmm. and one. What was that atmosphere at Assembly Hall? What was that like for you? uh in your freshman year i mean i think besides the florida state game that was the loudest i've ever heard assembly all for sure for sure and um it was it was uh i think that was our our biggest home game that year too like as far as the, the crowd being into the game yeah and as a freshman it's like this is exactly why I wanted to come here. And, and were you go ahead, Ward? Oh yeah, I, I was. I don't know. Obviously, you know, if, if you're in New York at Rutgers and you know, or, or uh, at Rutger Park, and and like that's like there's an electricity there on the street, climbing up the fences to see see the game. But had you, you know, maybe going to see uh, your brother or relative play, had you even been inside a stadium with that kind of atmosphere before you were actually playing in it? Yeah, yeah, only once. When um, I was at my brother's game when he was at North Carolina and they were playing Duke, and it was at Duke. Uh, it was, it was sure. pretty crazy in there. <laughs> so yeah. so but before or after that unc game where is it where's the smack talk come down like with danny of like you taking down his tar heels is it you just gotta <laughs> just rub that in his face right <laughs> i mean yeah i, I couldn't say much because i didn't play that much that game so i but you know he he knows he knows where where we stand <laughs> All right, so the year starts, like I said, 3-0, and then you lose to Fort Wayne, you go 7-1, and and then you start to hit some bumps in the road. We lose to Butler, we lose to Nebraska, we lose to Louisville, and then we lose OG uh, to injury. And mm-hmm. it did feel a little bit like a, a, a gut punch for the, for the team, and it felt like the wind just came out of the sails because the rest of that year was, was pretty up and down with some moments of, of, of brightness – um, but the other thing happening that year is pressure on Coach Cream. 
Like that's the kind of narrative that's happening all the while. Like every loss is like, oh, well, he should be fired. As a player, you've committed to this coach. You think you're going to play for him, obviously. What was that like just as a freshman being part of this big program now, but but hearing the 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 siren calls, if you will, for Coach Crean to be fired. What what was that like for you and the team? It was uh I mean you could feel it. You could feel the pressure in the locker rooms and in the gyms. But um I didn't know what to expect. I'm like I didn't know if it was like, you know, just rumors, chatter from outside or if it was like, you know, a realistic thing that could actually happen. Well, Do you think it affected the team? Do you think that that pressure that you did feel, um, and obviously losing OG affects the team maybe more than anything, mm-hmm. but but that pressure, does that make it so that like things are a little tighter when you miss three shots in a row as the team? Like you're starting to, to think things that you shouldn't be thinking? Um. I wouldn't say so at that much. Um, it's kind of an afterthought, like, you know, after after the game, after the loss, it's like, oh, man, that's another loss, you know. It's more more rumors or more chatter is going to be happening now. Got it. But I don't think it's, it has that much of an effect during the game. Understood. Because, because I, I mean, I think we all look at OG's injury as like, oh, that that prevented that team from reaching its potential. But it did – and, you know, like as a freshman, you're there and, and maybe in a lot of ways, you're still a little objective to what's going on with the program and the team. You got still kind of fresh eyes, but there's still a, like a ton of talent there and, and experience. And to go from I think I was looking, you guys got ranked as high as number three and and, you know, you were in the top, you know, 10, 15 for the first half of the season. And, and why did the wheels kind of fall off in the second half when there was still this core of players and talent that sort of, I, I don't know, ended up falling short of expectations even without OG? Could you, could you like maybe not even at the time, but even now figure out why that happened? I think it was a combination of things. I think it was, you know, OG going down, um, the pressure on Crean, you know, the the lock. We had some some locker room stuff going on, um, and then you know James James got hurt after that, and TB had a little injury after that, and it just felt like a snowball effect downhill. And I think all of that combined is why it just started to you know go downhill. And when you start hearing these the outside talking and the 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 rumors, you it creeps into your mind like whether you want it to or not you try not to listen to it but at some point you're going to you know start thinking about it and so I think everything combined had an effect on it so the other thing that's happening for you personally is as the year goes on you they, they start to utilize you more uh and you have some big games I mean a triple overtime win against Penn State you go you play by the way you played 45 minutes in that game you go for 10 points 10 rebounds forces by the way i will say this everybody knows about your shooting and how hot you can get but you're a stat sheet stuffer and that never got enough i think you never got enough credit for that great rebounder as a guard warden i would talk about it all the time while the games were going on 
you had the best vision on the team. Like you could see plays develop before anybody. So oh, you really uh, and some pro- electric passes, like really, oh, yeah. like, I mean, just putting a little English on the ball, mm-hmm. just, it's almost like a billiard shot to get it down low and feed somebody. Sometimes too much English, but yeah. <laughs> like, um, but, but you, they start to utilize you more. In three of the last five games of the year, you score in double figures. At Purdue, you go three for three from three. You score 13 points in a really hostile environment. So while the team is struggling, it does seem like we're starting to see the Devontae that I'm sure you you knew you were, but the rest of the fans are now getting to see, okay, this is a future guard here. We, we started to see that. Did you feel that as that season went on, that you were finding your game at Indiana more? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think the only good thing to come out of the injuries is that, I, you know, I got a little more opportunity to, to play more and, and have a bigger role in the team. And um, I started getting more comfortable out there also. So, you yeah. know, so it just, it just felt better on the court. I could make a little English pass here and there and get away with it now. Yeah. I wouldn't be yanked <laughs> right away, you know. So the year comes to an end. We miss the NCAA tournament, which had to have been heartbreaking because everybody wants to play in the tournament. But we get put in the NIT. And in one of the weirdest endings to any year ever, Indiana is given a home game against Georgia Tech and decides not to take the home game, decides to play a road game at Georgia Tech. And this is when controversy is just swirling because now everybody's like, oh, they don't want to play the home game because they don't want fans booing cream. They don't want that pressure. But like it all just felt so weird and felt like the end of something. Do you remember any of that controversy around the Georgia Tech game and, and all that stuff? And what did you it was, think? It's, it? it's blurry now. I don't remember too much of it, but I do remember it being weird at the end. Of, it was It was just a weird... Every the whole field was just weird. Yeah. Well, so what? Th- th- <laughs> then what now feels like the inevitable happens. Um, can you talk us through how you found out that Coach Crean was let go? And and then, you know, if you want to go from there, then and then when you found out who your new coach was and how how the team, how you and the team responded to both Coach Crean being let go and Archie being hired? Um, when I found out he was let go, it was just through uh, – actually, I think Deron told me. Deron had seen a, a text message. He got a text message or something like that. And then uh, he was like, oh, I think uh, Cream just got fired. And then I'm like, what? So now I'm looking. And then it was just like crazy. It was like, well, now what? Like, you know, we was just like, all right, now what? didn't really know what was going to happen next. And then when we found out Archie was coming in, it was, a, it was like a, it was like a, I don't even like a bomb was just dropped on us out of nowhere. And it was a surprise, but we was, uh, we was happy. We was celebrating, you know, we was, we was happy for him coming in. I mean, did you did... know him at all? No, nope. Got it. Did in, in that, maybe when you were in that limbo between not having a coach anymore, the one who'd recruited you and brought you there. um, And before the Archie bombshell was dropped on you, did you have any thoughts like, man, I might, I might be out of here. 
like were were you ever thinking you you without without coach Crean there you might explore other options or uh and obviously a lot of your teammates from that season were going to be leaving too so I, I guess I'm just wondering what your mindset was yeah I for sure thought um I could be leaving you know I was like depends on who comes in and and um how I feel about them I guess and uh I mean, I think I just ended up staying after um, the first couple meetings and practices with Archie there. I was like, okay, I think I, I can make this work still staying here. So, and instead of nobody wants to sit out a year, if I transfer, I got to sit out a year and I really don't want to do that. So I had a good feeling about staying. Um, so there are not two more opposite people or opposite playing philosophies, coaching philosophies, I think, <laughs> than Tom Green and Archie Miller. I, would you agree that yeah. that's a fair statement? A hundred percent would agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, Devontae, like your style of play does seem much more in line with the way Tom Crean coached basketball, especially offense than Archie Miller's offense, which was very mechanical and half court and slow, um, trying to be ultra efficient, whereas Crean allowed for more freedom, you know, I think, and more pace. So, mm -hmm. but was that stuff that like, how hard was it? I guess my, my question is, how hard was it to, for you to adjust to this totally opposite style of basketball? Very hard. I would say very hard. And uh, I had to, you know, try to keep my style of play alive within the system. So it was, it was, it was hard. I'm not gonna, it was, it was hard. Yeah, I mean, you could see, do, do you ever felt, did you ever feel like Archie embraced your style? Because it always felt like this a little bit not not personality i'm not i have no idea what your relationship was with archie we can talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit but it just seemed like playing style we would obviously have the moments where you took on the team and won games single-handedly and we'll talk about those but overall it just seemed like pack line defense grind it out post you know slow use the shot yeah. clock just never jived with you overall. And it's why it was always so like kind of, oh, here's good stuff. And then uh, now we got to go back a little bit. Did did you feel that your three years with Archie? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I don't think only time it wasn't like that was probably at the very end of my senior year. I think that's the only time we really were kind of like on the same page, if you would say. Wow. And it took that. I mean, like, just think about that. That's, that's a long time to be dealing with that. That had to grate on you um, mentally. I mean, that just had to have been a tough thing to deal with for two and a half years. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Very, a lot of frustrating days, um, you know, days you just got to try to figure things out. But I mean, at the end, I, I, I'm the type of player. It was just, I'm going to play the way I play. And I'm going to try to mix it. Like, I, I can't just change the way I play or else I'm going to not be me. You know what I mean? Right. 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 Well, well, and when you're, you're going through that, you know, 
three seasons of that. Um, who are, who are you turning to, um, whether it's just to, to, to vent a little bit or to try to figure out how to make it work better teammates, family, assistant coaches, coach Miller, how do you, how, cause you, if you're just keeping that all inside, you're going to go crazy. You got to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. Yeah. I would talk to family a lot. Um, but it wasn't, it's hard uh, for, if you're not like there physically in it, it's hard for you to understand, you know, what I'm trying to say a hundred percent. So I think um, my roommate, Deron, he was, he was big for me. He was probably the, my go-to as far as like letting things out. We would just talk about everything. So, um, and he knew cause he was, he was there to see everything and in, in, in every practice. So he understood. Well, and, that guy had to overcome a lot of his own adversity there too. So I'm sure, sure. I'm sure he, sure. he, he, he could uh, tell you how to just keep, keep going even when it seemed really dark. Yeah. 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 So, I, I was going to save this for later, but I think it probably makes sense to bring it up now. You are somebody who likes to voice your opinion on Twitter. You have used Twitter in the past. I think sometimes probably got you in a little bit of trouble on what you said because you're you're very honest. But yep. just um, earlier this year, you posted something that that I saved because I I um, I thought it was pretty telling that you would comment on this and and wanted to talk to you about it. the The tweet was: since we're talking about mental health, athletes get crucified by fans for a bad game or voicing certain opinions, but have to put on a smile for the cameras and always be politically correct. We are regular people outside of our profession who go through it just like the next man. So that that hit me, and, and I'm gonna just be honest with you here. Look, your playing style leads to extremely high highs and extremely low lows, I think is fair to say. And the mm -hmm. Indiana fan base can be unfair totally unfair and mean and i'll be honest ward and i in our fandom have been part of that and we were very critical of you early on uh like for you know in i would just say in your career mm -hmm. and when we started doing this podcast Devante, and started meeting a lot of the former players and talking to them about stuff that was going on behind the scenes it gave us it made us grow up to be honest with you even as mid 40 year old guys that like, what the mm -hmm. fuck are we doing? Like these guys, there's so much else going on. We have no idea what pain they're dealing with. It, it, like even what we just talked about, you committed to a guy who plays up and down, fast break, run and gun basketball. And now you're playing for a guy who wants to play, put it in the post every single time, you know? And, mm -hmm. and even that has to be grading. But the bottom line is the fan base can be very mean. And, and we were a victim of that. I shouldn't say victim of that. We were a perpetrator of that as well. And, and 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 as it related to you, and I feel terrible about that, but you made a this tweet about mental health. Is that something that uh, that you've dealt with? Is that something that's been been something that's been part of your life for a while? Um, for sure, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, we we go through it just like anybody else, and um. At a time, I, I did have to, you know, have somebody to go talk to yes. that wasn't, you know, my roommate or family and uh, help me through a lot of the stuff I was dealing with. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I know the the Hoosier fans can be, like you said, really mean. Yeah. And um, I had to learn how to handle it at first. And once I did, I mean, it was it was easy. It was easy for me because I know a lot of people just talk. They don't really think before they, you know, about what they're actually saying. <laughs> you are describing us to a T. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it, it was, t- I've, I've had a lot of things. And like you said, with the coaching change, I've had, uh, you know, personal things going on. Um, yeah, something I've, I've battled with for sure, but it's something I've overcome. When you said that you, you t- had to talk to somebody and look, my God, I mean, Ward, both of us, you're talking to two people who have talked to other people about stuff we've gone through in our lives. I talked to my guy yesterday for an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. By the way, quick, quick side story. I've had two therapists in my life that both fell asleep while I was in session. <laughs> That's not a joke. They both That's crazy. fell asleep. And I had to start doing like, <laughs> both of them fell asleep. Okay. So that tells you how screwed up I am. Um, uh, was that something that uh, you've, I think the hardest thing to deal with when it comes to that or one of them is just admitting that you need help and not feeling embarrassed by it or ashamed by it. And I think as a society, we've gotten much better about that. But especially for like young, strong athletes, there's there's it's even harder because there's that locker room mentality. I don't need help with anything. Were you mm-hmm. able to to voice um, that you needed some help at Indiana? And did Indiana help you at all in that in that place? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's pretty much exactly what happened. And then um, they set me up with a doctor, Dr. Day. Uh, love her. And she helped me a lot. And I could get, you know, I could go there for an hour or whenever I wanted and just let loose of all my thoughts and what I was thinking while I was thinking it. That's that's great. That's well, great. And, and- – and because it was sort of as this podcast got going in, in the very first conversations when we started talking to players, we were like, oh, oh, yeah, they're human beings. And I think, you know, and a lot of it is almost exclusively for us and our listeners getting to know the players after the fact. And then you look back at that and and to whatever level of detail or specificity is uh, or, or not that uh, like, wow, we had no idea this stuff was going on. And I've never been on Twitter, but I think, you know, a lot of people just being like, but I didn't like that play and I'm going to let anybody and everybody I know what I think. And, and to uh, hopefully, whether it's through not just this podcast, but podcasts in general, where, where it's not Twitter, where it's not 165 characters, but people mm-hmm. can actually get to know you as a human being. Like it's it's not something that's happened overnight, but with folks like yourself coming and sharing this, I think it's so much harder for people to hear it to then like with the current crop of players, you know, 18, 19 year old kids, essentially just going and shitting on them in public. Hopefully that's going to be the thing that's stigmatized going forward. 
Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a slow process, but you just being willing to talk about it even now, I think helps kids going to college these days. So I think it's, it's, it's appreciated and it's important. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely important. And, and, uh, it's a good way to, you know, give people a little bit of perspective. So sure. I think it's good for these kind of podcasts and, and shows and whatnot. All right, so let's talk about Archie's first year. It starts off as bad as it could possibly be, getting <laughs> just getting the doors blown off, losing to Indiana State. Not good for Indiana to ever lose to Indiana State, and especially not by 30 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it takes a while for this team to find the way that Archie wants to play. Um, but you have some really high points here. Against Seton Hall, you hit four threes. Obviously, the team against number 18, Notre Dame, I do want to talk about this because Mr. Crossroads Classic, Jawan Morgan, just seemed to just become Michael Jordan every time that he played in the Crossroads <laughs> Classic. This year was really the year, you know, OG was 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 gone this year. Thomas was gone. And, and this was now became Jawan became a primary player on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, Rojo is still there. But what was Juwan like as a player? You know, you, you've played with a lot of really good players and against him. Can you just talk about what you saw in Juwan as a player? He he was just really good at everything, it seemed like. Yeah. He, he's, um, I mean, he's got his head on straight. You know, he's a hard worker, but he had good footwork, you know, good balance. He's strong. He can guard a lot of positions. Um and he was – you can just use him in, in a lot of different ways. I, I don't even think we've seen the full, like, you know, retrospect of what he could do even during that year. Yeah. But um, that's why he was so big for us, though, because um, he just – I mean, he was just a powerful, you know, piece. Yeah, you know, I mean, not to, to, to harp on this, but – when we talked to Juwan after he graduated, when we talked to Duran, both of them had the same refrain, which is like, I didn't get to play the full, my full game under this system. And and yeah. look, I think we saw it. Juwan Morgan was, was, what, in his rookie year, starting on a playoff team, you know, in the NBA and, and being used more on the perimeter and, and, allowed to you know expand his game duran at the end of his indiana career we started seeing oh yeah he he can make 15 to 17 to 18 foot jump shots we didn't see that for three years so i i think everybody kind of felt the same way that their games were a little bit stifled let's Um, let's jump to the seton hall game because obviously it didn't go well for the team but i do wonder you getting back out there you hit four threes. Was is there a little extra juice when you're heading back to the East Coast? Was there family there? Did it get you going? For sure. Every time. Every time I go to the East Coast. And there was guys there from New York that I played against in high school. So it was easy to, you know, get up for that game. And actually playing that game is probably one of my favorite plays in all of my career is when I got the steal with uh one shoe on. The one shoe. I don't know if you remember that play. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course, the one shoe. Why did you keep holding the shoe? Well, I was going to put it on. I was trying to tell the ref, like, my shoe came off. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you. And it was already in my hand, so I just I just kept running with it, I guess. 
And then you got then you got the steal. I mean, it was it's one of the great plays in, in Indiana. But obviously, you're in a bit of a zone. You hit four threes. Um, we start to see you be used a little more. The team actually starts pretty well in the Big Ten. You go five and three in the Big Ten, but then we hit a bump in the road, lose four in a row, then win four in a row. We're nine and seven in the Big Ten, but then the end of the season doesn't go well. Lose two uh, in a row, then lose the Big Ten opener. But against Ohio State, you play 30 minutes and you score 20. You actually play 30 or more minutes in four straight games near the end of that year. You're being used a lot more. 19 points against Minnesota, a win. 18 points at Iowa, which kept us in the conversation at this point of being a tournament team, win. Um, only Newkirk and Jawan played more minutes than you that year. But the season ends and no postseason. This is your second year now at Indiana. How disappointing was that? to just not being able to play in the postseason at all? Uh, it was very, very disappointing. Um, and that was the year I feel like the Big Ten just took off and became, you know, the conference. Right. And it was like we were so good, but we had a handful of other teams that were also good in our conference. So, I mean, I, we just had to be better. It was like we're not good enough. And – we got to come back and be better next year. Well, and looking forward to the next year, and as it gets going, there there's a kid from Southern Indiana that's got quite a bit of fanfare upon his uh, arrival. What what was like the 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 Romeo circus like? The publicity, the media, the the frenzy about his arrival and Archie landing him, and then compare that to what Romeo was like as a kid as a human being, as a teammate showing up to play ball? The the hype was definitely extra, <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if I could say. It was just like, okay. I mean, it was like you thought he was like uh, the Jordan of Indiana. It felt like it was like, okay, well, let's see. And I was kind of like, all right, let's see what he can do when he, when he gets here. Like, you know, like, let's see. Um, if he lives up to the hype, but then you meet him and it's like, you know, he's just another teenage kid that you play, that you play with, like from high school. And um, he didn't let any of it get to his head. You know, he was humble. And uh, I think he dealt with it really well, um, especially being so young. Um, but he, it land, landed him was, was big for us. And he was a big piece of our team. We've talked to other teams in Indiana that that are you know have good players on the teams, and then there's this ballyhooed hyped recruiting class, and most of them tell us, "Yeah, I had a chip on my shoulder when they came in. I wanted to show that kid when they came in. You ain't ready for college basketball, did you?" And and look, your New York swagger would fit right into that. Did you have a little bit of that when Romeo came to town? Of course, of course. I'm yeah. I'm like that when everybody comes to town. No, <laughs> it was it was nothing new for me. But yeah, no, he but he he uh he definitely impressed me when we when he showed up. He, you know, strong, athletic, and I was like, okay, but yeah, I'm like that when everybody comes to town. Well, uh, and along with you know, I'm I'm looking at who else came in there with him: Demise, Jerome, Rob, uh, Jake. What what um, in this, I think we probably keep we'll keep going back to this with Archie. I mean, now, now you have somebody 
extremely talented in Romeo and this very rigid system, whether it be your game, Romeo's game, other players coming in, was there any kind of willingness, effort to adapt how you were playing to specific skill sets? Or was it always about putting that person into that role and trying to make that work in that system? Yeah, I think it's more so the, the second one. I like this is this is the system and you're going to have to mold yourself to the system, not the other way around. And I think it was tough for just about everyone coming in, having to do that. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to ask that of players of any players. Um, unless you specifically have a game for that system, you know what I mean? And the way we played, I don't think that that's kind of like a dying breed of basketball that yes. was, that we played. So we didn't have many guys like that. Because Did it, it just the joy of playing away from you. Say again. Sorry, Did broke it, up a little bit. Did it take the joy of just playing basketball away, um, feeling that like stifled approach? For me, at one point, for sure, for sure, and that's why I think it was so tough for me, um, trying to figure it out. Yeah. What? Because especially now when i mean if you if if you sneeze hard enough you you found out you've transferred to another school it's like it's so easy <laughs> to just be on another team uh instantly and playing what what kept you there for for your whole collegiate career because uh, you know was it teammates you know did you just fall in love with being a hoosier what what kept you there um two things I think one, I just wanted to, I mean, I love Indiana, you know, the the school as a whole and um, kind of wanted to be loyal to that. Mm -hmm. But also I didn't want to, you know, sit out a year because now you can just go and play right away. Yeah. But I didn't want to sit. That makes sense. It makes sense. So let's get, I, I am going to ask you one controversial question here. There no were problem. all kinds of rumors that you and Romeo did not get along behind the scenes and maybe <laughs> even got in a fight once. Any truth uh, to those rumors? No, all lies. No, me and Romeo were cool. Never got into any fights. Um, had a little, you know, disagreements on the court, like sure. with, all, with every other player, you know, arguments over something. But I don't know where, where that came from. Let me ask one follow-up. If you did get in a fight with a teammate and years later, two middle 40-year-old dudes on a podcast asked <laughs> about it, would you be honest with them? A hundred percent. Okay. I, I'll tell you. I believe yeah. that about you. I do I've, believe that about you. There's no bullshit with you. I've, I've got no. one, one more follow-up, and and I, I don't have to ask you to be honest. I feel that's just who you are as a human being. Is that Baby Yoda – on your necklace? <laughs> Close. It's Pikachu. 
Oh, Pikachu. <laughs> Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. My I was just drawn to it. I was like, is that Baby Yoda? Oh, so are you are you a big Pokemon guy? I'm taking it. Was that your No, I'm not, I'm not really. I mean, Pokemon's cool. I'm, I wasn't like a big fan though. I just liked it. I seen it and I was like, oh, that's nice. I don't want it. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about this year because it starts off okay. Uh, you know, we we beat up on the teams that we probably should beat up on. Start twelve and two. Uh, obviously, have a really tough game at Duke, which is not fun. Um, but twelve and two, and then start the Big Ten three and zero. I mean, it 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 feels pretty good. And then the wheels come off, and we lose seven in a row. So I guess the same question about the prior year. Um, what do you think happened in this year? Certainly had enough talent on this team to be better, but it certainly snowballed. What What do you think happened? And then I am going to ask you about your specific thing that happened in the middle of that. But let's let's talk about the team in general. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what happened. It, it kind of like, after like two, three, it's like, all right, and then four, and it's like, geez, like we can't buy one. It just felt like, and um, I don't know, maybe like not everybody was completely bought in, maybe, but I don't, I don't know really. I couldn't, I don't have a real answer. It it does seem to pressure. Sorry, sorry. Oh well, I, I go ahead, Ward. It kind of harkens back to maybe players not getting to play their game because. When you look who's on that team, you and Romeo and and Juwan, um, it, it, it's I almost feel like you roll the ball out and you say go, and that it, it, you're at least not going through a stretch like that. Like I I feel like that's where we even as a fan base who admittedly know nothing about the game of basketball, where where it's um that why wouldn't if it's the the definition of insanity is if to do something over and over again that's not working and like was there any attempt in that stretch to say you know what guys this isn't working let's try it differently or was it just like do the same thing but to do it better yeah that year no there's absolutely no changes or adjustments, especially during that time. And um, yeah, I'm, I think, I'm sure, you know, people not being able to play the way they're used to playing, it probably had some part of it, but it's like, it started working. So it's like, this has to work because it's been working, mm. but it, it wasn't, it stopped working. So um, I don't know, I, I really don't know. Yeah. So in the middle of that first seven-game stretch, you deal with some personal adversity here in that you get suspended for three games for, I mean, look, let's just be honest. You you failed a drug test, right? And, yep. and you got busted. Now, here's the thing. You're talking, out of the two of us, one of us is really into that stuff. So no problem there. But <laughs> um, but but also I think that like, I I, I say that as a joke, but also like, I mean, what percentage of of players do you think in college smoke marijuana? Oh man, probably close to ninety. 
Okay. Close to I mean, 90. Yeah, it's, and it's probably the same percentage as the NBA. Maybe even higher. Probably higher. Yeah, probably, probably higher. higher. Okay. But, but there are rules. And you broke a rule. You got caught. You got suspended. And here comes, including Ward and Eric, the IU fan base all over you. Like maybe the worst it got for you was during that time. Kick him off the team. He doesn't care about his teammates. It's in the middle of this losing streak. What was, what were you going through at that time? And and how did you handle all that stuff that was happening? Um, I mean, mentally I was going, I was a roller coaster. It was, I had, I was trying to figure out, you know, um, the playing thing, like how to how to adjust to this playing style, um, how to you know be better, just be better. Things weren't going well for me at all. Um, and then we were losing. Um, I had a couple of friends pass away that year, actually. Oh wow! Um, really? Some some girl stuff going on. I had a lot, just a lot going on, you know what I mean? And um, I don't think I was, I don't think I handled it right. I mean, I didn't, I didn't talk to nobody. I mean, I didn't tell nobody. I just kind of acted like everything was okay when I knew that wasn't the case. But I knew I would get all the backlash I did from the IU fans because I, I, I knew it was going to be like, I deserved it. You know, so I was like, I already know what to expect. I'm here suspended. I already know I'm not even going to look at my phone today or for these next couple of days because I already know it's just going to be disastrous and I don't need that right now. But um, after that, I mean, it was it was a big lesson for me. I had a lot of clarity um, after that, after talking to, you know, a lot of my people. And um, what did you I take it? What did you take specifically from that? What was it? What was the lesson that you learned or how, how do you think it helped you? Like, I don't, I didn't and things to help me deal and cope with certain problems when I didn't need to do that, you know? And um, usually I use like basketball as my outlet. And when that's not going well, it's like, all right, what do I, what, what nothing it's like what else now i have nothing else like you know what i mean but um i kind of learned more about myself during that time and got to you know reflect and and um think about things i i do wonder in terms of how that that those lessons carried through do you have uh, another happy place, a respite uh, now as a professional player, foreign foreign land? Um, do you have a hobby? Do you just have something fun you do besides basketball? Yeah, for sure. Um, music. I love music. I love, uh, you know, movies, uh, cartoons, anime, play video games. Uh, I do a bunch of other things for fun, especially out here. I mean, you you don't got much but <laughs> much but time to, to do things. So, what what are you? Uh, what music are you into? Who do you listen to? Like, if on your iPhone right now, who's on in the most rotation? 
Who's in the most rotation right now? Probably, probably G Herbo. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Wow. How how excited <laughs> and he just were you? Came you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you were you pumped to see him in Assembly Hall? I mean, I was frustrated because I wish I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that the Hoosier hysterias when you were there sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared to now, it's, it looks real nice now. Yeah, it does. All right, what about movies? What are your favorite movies? Um, Favorite movies is tough. I mean, I, I, like, a, I like a lot of, um, what do I like? I like dramas or I like action movies. Um, Are you into like, like Marvel, the Marvel stuff, like the superhero stuff? Yep, yep. I mean, so I just seen Black Adam. That was pretty good. Yep. Um, I mean, I like all movies though. I just even I'll go to a movie theater and just watch a movie just cause. And if I don't like it, at least I got to say I went and watched it and didn't like it. You know. Do Do you have a movie or a music artist? or a TV show that you should not like. It is a guilty pleasure, like something that you would be mm. embarrassed to tell your friends you're really into. <laughs> a movie? Um, I mean, some would say the Pikachu necklace, but I would say, is there, <laughs> is there something else? Is there a movie this, that you this, like? Uh, a movie? Or a music artist? Like, are you really yeah. all Taylor Swift? I, uh, no, not <laughs> I listen to some rock music that people wouldn't probably expect me to listen to. I probably wouldn't listen to it in the car with my friends, but like for what? Example, like who? Um, for yeah. example, <laughs> come on, you gotta hear it. They're gonna to put it. me on the spot. Yeah. Oh, I'd have to go look, and I have to go look. Like, 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 does it go back? Like, are you a Rolling Stones fan? No, no, like, um. Like um, system of a down. Oh, that's Ooh. great! All right. Yeah, yeah. I was I like that. To them. All right, not bad. I mean, okay. even and, your guilty pleasures are cool. Like that's you're just cool. You're a cool guy. Um, <laughs> and just to hit on one more gaming, like what 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 are you playing the most right now? And with the time difference, it's got to be tough, but. Uh, is there is there any time you get on- online and you get to play with with some of your buddies? Mm, no, sometimes, sometimes I play GTA with some of my friends. Rarely. Um, Let's see the tattoo. I've been playing. Let's see the tattoo. Oh, there it is. There it is. Unlimited ammo. Oh, Fantastic. You gotta walk us through that. That is the code for what? Unlimited ammo. In in what game? GTA. When did you get that tattoo put on? It was uh, the summer between my junior and senior year, I think. And I had it for a while and, and nobody knew about it until it just like went viral one day. Yeah, well, no, no shit. I mean, you've got a lot of ink on your arms. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. Like, I mean, it's you true. Know? It's true. Um, Fair. But was that part of, you know, I know tattoos are very personal to to people that get tattoos. I I have a giant um, spitting dragon on my back that I just don't show to many people. Two headed dragon just goes all ass to back. Anyway, you can't see it because there's so much hair covering it. Yeah, <laughs> but but tattoos are a very personal thing. When you got that one, obviously it's a fun thing. 
But to me, like from afar, it also seemed like this is your way of owning. This is who I am. And sure. was that part of it? Is that therapeutic for you in a way? Those tattoos? Yeah. Yeah. All of my tattoos have um, some kind of, you know, meaning behind them or, you know, symbolic something that symbolizes me and who I am. Right. And it for sure was that because, um, I mean, when I first thought of the idea, um, I think we were just talking in the locker room and somebody was like, oh, like, um, he's like, no, nah, that's not fair, though, because you're a cheat code. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's a good point. <laughs> and I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about like cheat codes and, and I'm like, there's no cheat codes for like 2K. And so you can't, I couldn't, I couldn't think of that. But then I'm looking at GTA because I used to always have them handwritten because back then you, it wasn't, you know, you couldn't just look them up when I had to write them down and I'd pull out my sheet every day and use the cheat codes. So I was looking down the list and I came across unlimited ammo and I was like, oh, that one might be perfect. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it is so perfect for you and your game. So now let's let's get back to basketball for a second because you sit out those three games. Indiana has now lost seven in a row. It seems like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Little did we know that light would be found in East Lansing, Michigan. When you come back, we go to East Lansing, who's like ranked top 10 in the country. I don't know, what are they ranked? Sixth or something at that time, I believe. Yep. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about that game, Devante? It had to mean a lot just from coming back from the suspension and everything going on. What do you remember about that game? Um, I remember the the environment. We was at their place. Um, their crowd is pretty is pretty nice, and um, it kind of felt like they, we were being you know underestimated at the time, and like we had something to prove, and we did. And for me too, especially coming off the suspension, and um, we knew we just needed something to like kickstart us back up into winning mode, and uh, that that one did it for us. 11 points, five rebounds, five assists, three of four three-pointers. Duran uh, played a big part in that game too. Your fellow classmate who was also being, I think, overlooked and coming back from injury and still battling his way back into um, game shape and, and obviously wasn't there even that game, but had to play a bunch because Juwan goes out with an injury, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but a huge... Just kind of, it, did it feel like the weight of the world was lifted off the team's shoulders after that win? Uh, something like that. Yeah, it, it definitely <laughs> felt like okay, we're, we're back in win mode, and and gave us a lot of hope going forward. Uh, that then turns into unfortunately some more bumps in the road. We lose another uh four games in, or I'm sorry, five games in a row. But those five losses, it felt different. It I don't know if it felt different for you guys, but there was a really like a one possession game against Purdue. There was an Iowa game that was a, a one possession game. It seemed like mm -hmm. it felt like we were playing better. And then we win four in a row to close out that season, including beating number 19, Wisconsin, beating Michigan state. Again, you go for 13 points, three of five, three pointers. At Illinois, road game, hostile environment, 11 points, three for five three-pointers, and you end that season shooting 41% on the year. But it does set the stage 
for an improbable game against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament where it seems like, my God, if we could go on a little run here, we may make the NCAA tournament. And that is our first, I think, real look at the Devontae Green show in all of its glory was that Ohio State game. Uh, just talk to us about that game. Um, It felt like we were, like, defeated as a team that game, especially because they got a, a lead on us early. And it just had that feel of, like, yeah, the season's over. Like, you know what I mean? That's that's kind of what it felt like at the time. And I was like, I don't want this to end right here like this. Like, not like this. We can't go out like this. So I felt like, I don't know, like, we just – we needed a spark. And um, I had to bring it somehow, do what I can to bring that spark to, you know, get us back to thinking we can still be in this. Yeah, I mean, you do, your spark equals eight of 10 three-pointers in that game. You score 26. Because we will never be in this state ever in our lives, you clearly were in a zone that game. You know, I think that's the common parlance for what people talk about. What did it feel like, man? What did that feel like? I didn't think I was going to miss, honestly. I, felt, I was like, just every time I shoot it, it's going to go in. That's how I felt. And especially towards the end, I'm I'm like, I had one, I think it was like almost half court and yeah. I knew it was going in before it even went in. <laughs> so I, it was, it was like you said, it's a zone. It's you, when you, once you get it and you catch it, it feels like you, you're on fire. The last seven games of that year, do you know what you shot from three? No. 52%. Last seven games, mm. so basically wow. the last quarter of the year, you know, when you take out your this, this suspension, last quarter of the year, you are just on fire. It's about as well as I, I mean, like I'm sure there's more in the tank, but like you're doing everything. You're getting assists. You're getting rebounds. You're scoring. You're a valuable piece of the team. It does feel like it's opening up a little bit, but it doesn't end the way we all want it to. Nit Romeo's out. Uh, I, I wonder about that NIT experience because you're going to Indiana. You, you, you're supposed to go to the NCAA double, double A tournament every year. And yeah. okay. So you're not, but you're getting to play in a tournament at home. Are you, are you able to let go of the disappointment of, of the season and not making the big dance and being like, Hey, this is what we got. We got a home crowd let's have some fun and obviously particularly in the, the the second game you you had a great game so were you able to just accept what it was and make the most of it or was it always kind of like oh, okay but it's not what i really want yeah i was personally but not everybody was and i understand it because i mean i my first year i felt like that in the nit like it's like, we're not supposed to be here. Like, I don't want to play in this game. It sucks that we have to do this. But by my third year, it's like, if we ain't make, I haven't made the NCAA tournament. I'm acting like I deserve something I've never earned. So I can't even, you know, act like I don't belong here because this is exactly, this is where I belong. This is where I've been. So we might as well go out and, and give it all we got if we're going to be here. 
And, 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 you know, were those couple games, especially the Arkansas game, were you like, yeah, this is this is a good time and, and, and the crowd's into it? Did it end up being like, oh, that was like a, a, a good, fun experience that's a happy memory? Yeah, and I wouldn't say happy memory, but it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's sure a memory, though. It's, it's always, I mean, any chance, and I, I learned this as time went on, like any chance we have to play, that we get to play in front of the fans, Hoosier Nation, it's a blessing. So mm-hmm. if we can keep playing as long as we can, then we we do what we're supposed to do. So that season ends, and it's another kind of changing of the guard a little bit here. Romeo's gone. Uh, I think, you know, Archie is to be commended on some level for the fact that he kept together a lot of the team that that Crean had recruited, you know, but like Romeo, Jake, um, Jake's gone now. Uh, Clifton's gone now. And and Juwan's gone. Zach's gone. Fitzner's gone. And in come Armand and Trace. Uh, really small recruiting class, very important recruiting class. Obviously, Trace is still there now, National Player of the Year. Uh, how quickly did you build a relationship with Trace, and how would you describe Trace? Um, I think we we was cool, like, right away. And Trace had been on a few visits before then, right. so we had already, like, you know, played with him and, and met him a few times. But um, he's he's a he's a fun he's a fun guy. I mean, that's that's the best way I can explain him. He's He's tall, a little bit goofy, you know, but he, he's just, he's good vibes. He's hes a good kid and he's just fun to be around. Yeah, he gives off that. It's funny because I think people want to cast him in the, he's the big man, he's the dominating force. But the truth is he's just a really good dude. Like he's a fun yeah, guy yeah. who loves being in college and having fun. And, you know, sure. I, I, he's just such a, uh, such a good dude. Now, Very genuine. I, he, exactly. Now, here's another thing I want to talk to you about. So the end of the year before, it does feel like welcome to the Devontae Green show. It feels like we're seeing it. And it felt so promising leading into this year. And then luck hits and you get injured, right? And you miss the first Mm -hmm. few games of the year. And I just remember thinking, fuck, like this was going to be it. You were going to be starting. There's no doubt you're going to be in the starting role. Like, this is going to be, you're the playmaker on the wing, but you get banged up. What, what did that do to you mentally just coming in for your now senior year and, and you can't go. Yeah, no, it was tough. It was tough. Um, Not how I wanted to start my year. Uh, I was expecting, you know, a big year ahead of me too. And uh, got hurt like the week, the week of the, the game It was a deep, deep dive bruise, I believe. And um, I knew it was just going to be because then when I get back, I have to, like, you know, slowly get back into the game playing. That's just not how I wanted to start my year. But um, learning from just experience over the years is like you get the cards you dealt and you just got to make the best of them. And and do you think because of everything you'd already been through at that point, you handled it better than you would have in prior seasons? For sure. Yeah. I think I, I still, I handled it better than I would have, but I still think I could have handled it even better. Like now looking back, you know? Sure. Um, well, I mean, it, it does, it does make the triumphant return that much sweeter 
So I think for a lot of people, the most vivid, fun, exciting, favorite memory is the Florida State game. So can you just take us through the Florida State game as you remember it, how it was for you, how it felt, how great it was? Yeah, it was it was probably the best game of my life. Like, not even just like with shooting numbers and statistics, just the environment and uh, how it felt in the gym. And um, I know I came out, hit a couple shots, and I, I just felt good the whole game. I'm like, okay, I feel like myself today for some for some reason I just feel like you know the regular me because I, I did a lot of you know overthinking and, and playing a certain way and that after that point I think I was just like if I could just go in like this every game I'll be happy with no matter what the outcome is I'll be happy with myself mm-hmm. the the great thing about that game too looking back on it was in so many of your other big games almost all of your scoring is from the three-point line. You just get hot as hell from the three-point line, you know, eight threes against, uh, you know, um, uh, what was it, Ohio State, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you end up with 26 points, but 24 came for threes. That game, you scored 30 on five of seven threes, so you're still hot as hell from three, but you were doing so much else. You were driving to the bucket. You were hitting floaters. You were shooting free throws. You you filled it up with six rebounds, three assists, and most importantly, we won the game against a top 25 opponent, and we smoked them because, in large part, you put the team on your back and said, this is how it's going to go. And that happened a few times at Indiana, and there are very few players in the history of the sport that can do that. And so it was so much fun seeing you do that. That leads to an 11-1 and start. We beat UConn that year. We beat Notre Dame. We start 15 and four overall, five and three in the conference. Again, the Big Ten is loaded. Then we hit a bump, lose four in a row. And oh no, are we back to last year when we were in that streak? Mm-hmm. Were there any of those thoughts creeping into you or the team? Could you feel that when that little streak was going on? Slightly. Yeah, you could feel it. You could feel it for sure. But um, it was different. It was a little different. It wasn't. It wasn't the same feeling. I don't know how to explain it, but there was like a confidence that, that you were better, basically. That you yeah, were yeah, for sure. Um, you run into number twenty-one ranked Iowa. We need a win badly for this season not to go into the shitter. And guess who puts the team on his back again? Seven of eleven three pointers, twenty-seven points against Iowa. I mean, just another game where you are just freaking filling it up in a way that truthfully like there's only been a handful of players in the history of indiana that can do that from the three-point line and and it's special and there i mean it gets the crowd riled up it gets us fans excited uh how good did that iowa win feel coming off of those four straight losses it was it was great um we needed to win it was a big win against a big team you know um and for me, it was it was even better because my brother was at that game, so oh, wow. I felt I had to put on a show, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I got to, so it was it was it was good for me. It was like a personal, really great uh, game. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship with Danny? What what is your relationship like with him, and why was it so important for you to perform well in front of him? Well, we were ten years apart. He's ten years older than me, so 
he's never really had a chance to come watch me play that often. You know, I think that might have been maybe his in college, his second game seeing me play. Wow. And first home game in Indiana, first time in Indiana. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, I felt like, you know, I needed to show out in some sort of way because I don't get this opportunity much. He's not going to be here to watch me that often. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's really special. It's it's uh it's a huge game and obviously now as as we're coming towards the end of this season, the clock's ticking, the pressure's building. Um wins are crucial to try to get to the NCAA. Beat number 9 Penn State. And then I mean, you know, unless there's another uh, uh I mean Penn State and you get 3 threes of course. <clears throat> but getting into the craziest end of any season of all time for everybody get to the big 10 tournament. These wins are going to be crucial to punch the ticket mm-hmm. to the big dance. You guys beat Nebraska, but something crazy is going on. Uh, Fred Hoiberg is sweating profusely. There's, there is just uh, an anxiety building in the crowd, in the nation, in yeah. the world. Can you take us through what was going on with you and in the locker room and the team on the floor for the game and then after the game? It was going into the game, um, I think as a team, we were in a really good place. We we were uh, starting to gel better. Um, we we had a lot of confidence in what we were going to do in the tournament and then we came out and we got a win and we heard some things like you know in the locker room about the other coach having to be you know taken away because he he was just like really sick all of a sudden and um after the game that's when really everything started like weighing in and and the Rudy Gobert thing happened and everybody's like, oh no, this is going to be serious. Like at first it was like, okay, maybe a couple weeks, we may have to postpone the, the tournament. And then it was like, no, the tournament's going to be canceled. And then it'll go straight to the NCAA tournament. You have to wait for the NCAA tournament. We're like, okay, that doesn't really help us. We needed some more wins, but hopefully that win solidified a spot. Then they're like, yeah, no, the NCAA tournament isn't going to happen. And that's it, your career's over. Like for the seniors, it's like, that's the end of your college career. And it's like, wow, like you didn't even, it didn't even feel real at first. And then it's just like, like what, what, what do, what do we do now? Like, is that, is that, do I even go back to school? Like what, and then the world, the whole world was, was in a shutdown after that. And then it, it, it didn't even seem like, like the the end of my career wasn't even the first thought in my mind anymore. You know what I mean? Because people mm-hmm. are dying from this disease. It's it's a pandemic. So it was just a crazy, crazy time. And how did you how did you cope with it? Because even if you're you're concerned about the world as a whole, you said like, oh, oh, like I I I'm gotta go back to class, maybe online, how's that going to work? And then how do you start figuring out what is next when, when this yeah. thing you 
committed your life to for four years was was unceremoniously just ended before its time Mm -hmm. it it was um it was tough i was i was at iu for a bit after that um maybe like a week or so but then we couldn't get into the gym we couldn't go nowhere really i'm like there's no point of me being here I'm, i'm about to go home then i went home um i really just started playing like where I could, I, I could get into, you know, some some guys that I would open the gym for me or something like that, or if I could use court in the backyard, if it was nice out, I'll just play ball and then I get like, hopefully get ready for the next chapter. And, um, you know, while also trying to stay safe from everything, but at, at one point it's like, is this ever, it, it feel like the world was gonna change forever after that. It's like, is this ever gonna end, you know? I think we're, I think many people are still asking that question. I mean, it's, you know, I still get, I get emails on a daily basis from one of my kids' schools about something related to COVID, you know, and Mm -hmm. telling us maybe you should wear masks again. And it's a, it's a different world. Was there ever a point in that craziness where you were able to, because like you said, when all that craziness is going on, you're not thinking about your basketball career. But your basketball career did end in Indiana in a way that no one would have wanted it to end. Did that ever? Um, how did you deal with that part of it? Man, it was tough. Yeah, <laughs> especially bet. going back, like we were so close to to making the tournament, and yeah. that's something I wanted to do before I left. Um, I think I was fifty-two points away from being a thousand-point scorer. Mm. You probably would have hit fell that. just short of that. Um, and it was like, and like I said, uh, that was the only time I felt like me and Archie were like, you know, like this. And I felt just comfortable out there and um, just missed out on so many opportunities. It was like, what's next? Okay. Um, NBA workouts canceled, you know, summer league canceled, everything canceled. So I really didn't have, I didn't know what was, what was next. Like I had no idea what was, what was coming next for me. And it was, it was a little bit depressing, but at the end of the day, you just got to keep going. All you can do is keep going. It's just, it's heartbreaking for those of us who got to graduate from IU in the way you're supposed to, and the end of that senior year, just being, you know, a lot of fun and wrapping things up. Do you, did you ever get a feeling of of closure with your teammates with the school or was it just kind of like oh it's 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 yeah. gone and and we're nah, never going to have it was just it was just gone i didn't i don't even have any uh graduation pictures now that i think about it i didn't i didn't dress up and take pictures um i think the graduation was like an online thing mm. i didn't i didn't tune in to the zoom call um, I did get my diploma sent to me in the mail. That, that nice. was good. But that what was the only you, thing what that was... was major? What was your major? Recreational sport management. What does that mean? What does recreational sports mean? What is that? Like Frisbee? Like rec facilities. You know, I, oh. my thinking when I took the major, when I picked the major, is um, I want to own or or you know, run a recreational facility once I'm done playing ball and host tournaments there. 
So I figured I learned as much about it as I can. And that was the, that was the lane for me to go. Do you, do you still think that might be something you want to do when the, the ball stops bouncing? For sure. For sure. We have a camp every year, uh, called team green camp. And, um, we, I work with the kids every year, every summer, and I love doing it. So something I could definitely see me doing in the future. Is that, that back in North Babylon? Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, before we, we ask you some very important Bloomington centric questions that we ask every Bloomington person on our show, I, I do want to know, look, you've been through it in your very young life and, and you're in your twenties and you've had some highs and some lows and, and learning. How are you overall now? Uh, you seem to be in a good place. Um, but, but how are you? Because I think that's the most important thing. From the from the diabetes thing, um, uh, I had a bad car accident that year too. Oh man! Because you know European streets is it's crazy out here. <laughs> I don't know if you ever, ever drove in your. I have. It's scary as hell. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Now I'm I'm doing pretty good now. I'm in a good place. Good. Um. All right. So we'll do we'll do the rapid fire. You're back in Bloomington. You've got to go eat one place, one meal. Where are you eating? Uh, one meal. What's the uh the wing spot? B Town. Buffalo's. Buffalo's. for sure. Okay, yeah. you you got to get pizza. What pizza are you ordering? Oh, I don't eat pizza in Bloomington. I'm from New York. Oh, damn! damn. Yeah, <laughs> laying down the gauntlet. Oh shit. All right. Um, but you're, you know, you're of age now. Uh, it's you're, you're, you don't have a game to, to play. We're going to go get a beverage, what, what, a libation, if you will. Um, Royce, Royce. I sure. like her Royce. Classic. Least favorite class. Took a weather class one time. It was, <laughs> it was hard. I did not expect it to be that hard. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What you told us a a Crean story of him making you run. What is the most into your ass that Archie ever got? (laughs) Weirdly phrased question. Yeah, I know that was that was a little weird, but (laughs) we'll let that slide. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. He he wasn't a big, you know, like he wasn't like he wasn't like cream, really. But um, yeah. I mean, we we'd have we'd have a couple back and forth, but it wasn't really. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. Like like cream. Cream was bad. It was and I, in a good kind of way. You know, he. Would, oh, I get he it. Would let you have it. <laughs> Look, this was, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole here, but from afar. It felt like Crean was the kind of guy that either you had an incredibly close relationship with him as a player or you hated him. Like, I mean, it was like one of them. But but if you had a good relationship with him, it was almost like a surrogate father. Like, he just seemed like the guy who was so invested. Guys like Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Wade and Thomas Bryant, we, we know about their relationships. Yeah. My take on Archie was that he wasn't even capable of those relationships. Am I wrong there? Um, 
Archie to me was more of a people's person. You know, he he was uh he could you can conversate with him in a more natural way. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, because he wasn't crazy. But he was a little like, you know, he wasn't real personal though. He wouldn't get real personal with you. But he was, you know, easier to talk to. All right. I I get that. One more thing, because because we know Hoosier hysteria has gone next level. Uh, but just your take on, and I, I don't know if you, you get to watch any of the games of, of last season or the early ones this year, but as as a Hoosier, as somebody who I'm sure wants to see your school do well and get back to the promised land, what do you think of what Coach Woodson's doing so far and what this team uh could do before this, oh, this season's all said and done. Coach Wilson is doing his thing over there. Um, I'm happy for them, for them guys. Um, I think they have they have real good potential. You know, they they have a good team and and a good coach. They have the potential. They'll, they'll definitely they'll definitely make the tournament. You know, something I never got to do. They did it last year. You know, fell a little short, but. It's, it's steps, and, and he's doing a good job with them. Hey, in our mind, you guys made the tournament your last year. You just didn't get a chance to play in it. Me too. In my mind too. So, yeah. good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's for everyone else. And uh-huh. and you're one of the few people who the last game of your college career was a win. Most people, it ends with a loss. <laughs> true. 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 It was such a good win that it shut down. And in fact, I think Indiana was the last win of the year. National champs. So. National champs. <laughs> right. Technically, um, I think I think that's how it works. Listen, Devante, I um I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I know you got you, you know you're over in Hungary, you got a lot going on, and we really appreciate it. But I gotta say, um, I really wanted to do this with you because a little bit of catharsis for Ward and I, because you were one of the players, maybe the key player that made us realize as fans, we just got to get it together <laughs> and that, <laughs> that, that we were going too far. And, and I just really respect and admire your story and how honest and open you've been with us. I, I like following you on Twitter because I love how honest you are on Twitter and you voice things that are important um, and you stand up for yourself and for like your teammates and people in your position and it's brave to to talk about the things that you talk about, like mental illness and dealing with that kind of stuff. I I um I deeply apologize for being too critical. I really do. I sincerely apologize because I hate that that's what I thought I should be doing as a fan. It wasn't fair to you. wasn't fair to Indiana. wasn't fair to anybody. And I truly enjoyed watching you play. I mean, I really did. You gave us some moments. The Iowa game, the Florida State game, the the um. Ohio State game and and many others in between, you were so much fun to watch. You had an electricity to your game that is unrivaled and and just so rare. So I apologize to you. I love that we got to talk. I really respect and admire you. I'm happy you're in a good place. And I'm rooting like hell for you, for your career to last as long as you want it to. And then for you to get a rec league that you can kick ass at too, man. I I really appreciate everything. uh that you're doing and that that coming on here and talking to us yeah no thank you thank you guys for having me um i appreciate it i appreciate the apology you know although i i don't take it personal you know everybody i've been 
a fan of teams and of players and they've let me down and wanted to say some things too. So yeah, but I you probably didn't. Sometimes. Probably I didn't for sure, but <laughs> you know, I understand it. I understand it. And, and personally it's made me a better player person and helped me deal with things better. So it's no, it's no hard feelings. Um, right, man. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I could give you, you know, the shows that I have as my time as a Hoosier because that's yeah. that's my goal every time I step on the court is, you know, to just have fun and, and give people enjoyment to watch me. You certainly did that. And, you know, look, family, we drive each other crazy. But I think that whether it be us as fans not being fair to you or or whatever's happening on the court that, that we're responding to in an immature way, I do feel hopefully – Eric and myself and a lot of other people have 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 grown up in this journey by getting to know you guys and like now it's like all all we had of you were these these 40 minutes on the court you know however many mm -hmm. times over four years and now for us and for everybody listening it, it's a real pleasure to get to know you and and I really mean that. Like it's just so enjoyable to to talk with you and to to hear who you are as a human being. So thank you for taking the time from the other side of the world to do that. For sure, for sure. That was a guest. That was a guest. I gotta tell you, man. And this again speaks to how often we have talked about the perception and the reality being two different things. I really enjoyed having that conversation with Devante. I really enjoyed him as a person and did not get the vibes from him that I, you know, prejudged he would give. I, I, I thought he was a different guy than the one that just talked to us for an hour and a half. And I really enjoyed that guy for an hour and a half. Really enjoyed him. He just seems sweet, you know, and, and, and still a very young man compared to us stranger in a strange land making his way in the world and you know uh, it just seemed like this connection of of hoosiers of different generations across the world um that he he wanted to show us who he was like he wasn't putting on any kind of airs and whatever the persona is on the court to your point that doesn't, and you know, maybe you're jo joking around with him in the locker room or, or something, and he's got whatever you would kind of think that on court demeanor is. Sure. But, but there's just a dude, man, like a, a sweet guy um, who, look, obviously did not for, for way beyond his own play, did not have a great run at Indiana University. When you sent me, like, hey, here's my notes on Devontae, and I'm like, Man, what a depressing stretch of basketball for Indiana University, but he stuck with it. He stuck with it, and I mean, so many things to, to break down. I, it does sadden me greatly that COVID, I mean, look, COVID, it, it's silly to say it was so awful. Of course, it, it's been awful. So, like, I'm not trying to minimize it, but for it to happen for Devontae and Duran's senior year that prevented them from making the NCAA tournament becoming the first four year seniors at Indiana and God knows how long to not make the NCAA tournament. It's sad. I mean, because they, they worked, they both stayed, they earned 
their position at the end of that year. And they were likely in the NCAA tournament, not a given, but likely. And it does make me sad for him. And I think you heard from him, from Devontae, how much it hurt him. Well, just the whole, whole loss of your senior year experience, like for, for him and every other college senior who was just like, and then it was just all gone. And for him to say, I don't have any pictures of my graduation. Yeah. Like it's, it's a different thing for like us, even at 40 mid forties, because we didn't have our phones. Right. And, and not everyone had a digital camera that, that was, you know, a really expensive digital camera that was with them all the time. But now, I mean, if you're, if you're 10 to 30, your entire life has been chronicled on picture in pictures. I mean, it makes, it, it, it makes me think you watch Blade Runner 2049, right? Uh, I did. I watched parts of it, not the whole way through. But there's this guy talking to like Ryan Gosling when he's like doing the investigation. And this guy's talking about how sad his mother was whenever the the cataclysmic event was that uh-huh. like wiped out all the hard drives. All and the pictures. Every picture ever taken of him yeah. was gone. No, that it's true. But like you think about that, that's a big deal. Like Devonte can't go back and look at those things. He he didn't get those memories, and neither did anybody who was you know uh, of that age at that time. I, I was really impressed with how open he was talking about mental health and his own struggles with it, and and how hard it was for him to one admit that he had an issue, get over the stigma that he thought it had. And then finally talk to somebody and God bless Indiana for helping him and getting him with somebody. I mean, this stuff, you know, this stuff is real. And, and we talk about it all the time. There's so much going on behind the box score. And while we're pissed off that he had four turnovers and shot two of 11, you know, he's dealing with a couple friends that died mm-hmm. and, and things that we don't even know what, what are happening. And he's dealing with a situation that he did not sign up for. He signed up for Tom Crean and that style and that relationship for better or worse. And then the rug got pulled out from under him. And in place of it was a new shag carpet that you can't, that's like quicksand that you get stuck in the, in the, the twine on and makes you like you're walking in cement. That's what the Archie Miller system was. Yeah. And not just for him, but to hear him be like, yeah. It really didn't allow Romeo to do what he does yes. or Jawan to do what he does. And it's like, whoa, actually, there was some pretty nice talent there. And and the life was absolutely squeezed out of it, along with the soul of all of Hoosier Nation watching it. Look, uh, Duran was a top 50 player coming out of Colorado. Okay, now injuries really impacted Duran, and he was it was difficult for him to stay in the kind of shape he needed to. For but sure. we saw a very skilled basketball player in Duran Davis. He had a lot of skill and probably untapped. Devonte had a lot of skill, needed to be harnessed a little bit, but but he had skill. Jawan Morgan played in the NBA. That's all that needs to be said. Justin Smith, look what Justin Smith did the year after he left us when he went to Arkansas and helped them. Would they go to the Elite Eight? I think that year they went on yep. an Elite Eight run. Like you're right, there was talent, and it did. When he was talking, it just made me cringe, thinking about how Archie just could not adjust. No, he would not adjust anything. <laughs> yeah, and and that 
the way Devonte said, yeah, like that kind of basketball is not really being played anymore. It's yes. like, oh, and and me being the optimist as we're in it, and we're like, well, no, it's just going to take a while for the guys to get it. And it was like, and and looking back on it, when you know, like, nope, there's no chance this is going to work for anybody coming through here, not even the guys Archie's supposedly handpicking to run this system. Uh, and and it's like, it's it's more depressing in hindsight because you knew at that point how much more of we had of that was coming yeah no i totally agree it's more depressing in hindsight when you think back of four lost years that never had a chance to get going and and i felt for Devonte talking about how it wasn't until the end of his career that last bit of his senior year where he felt like he wasn't butting heads with archie yeah i mean it's just a really difficult thing it also brings back Going back to his freshman year, the luck part of it, because they did beat Kansas. They did beat North Carolina. And then OG went out for the year. And then Rob James got hurt. And James. And, and, and yeah, I mean, who knows what that team would have been. And who knows if that would have meant Tom Crean stuck around a little longer. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's a butterfly effect. One thing impacts the other. Um, I really liked how Devontae talked and was open about the, the drug bust and getting, you know, suspended for that. And he, we talked about that, that helped him learn that that could not be the coping mechanism for him. He was dealing with a lot of other stuff. Like we talked about before two got two people in his life died, two friends. And, and he was struggling with Archie and he used that as a coping mechanism. Well, and he realized I can't do that. There are, there are rules. And it's not just that, Oh, he's honest with us. And that is always something you want to get from somebody and you get to know them more and understand them better. But for anybody listening or maybe anybody coaching uh, players who are struggling or, or have kids who are, that he will talk about it. It is a big part of the movement that's been going on in the last few years of like, it's okay to not be okay. Right. And when you talk about it coming from either say like the military or from athletics, where it's just still sort of one of the last bastions of, of true machismo and that um, somebody like that is willing to talk about it to anybody who will listen. I think that's a good sign for where the mentality is going, but it isn't, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> Uh, just just knowing what he went through on the court and and more what that resulted in through like social media and him saying i didn't even check my phone for a few days after that cuz and in that case you know he knew he had it coming and arguably in some of the plays he made he had it coming too but i think that's where we all just have to grow up and not take that to social media in like a personal way because you personally you don't know what they're going through no and look I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to at least for me personally to apologize because we were really harsh when this podcast started it started with us really harsh on him and i definitely would not be that harsh on anyone now unless unless i like i was harsh on jerome hunter when he left because jerome clearly didn't want to put in the work and play by the rules and dedicate himself the way that Indiana expected. But I have a problem with that. To be devil's advocate, do we know for sure what was going on in Jerome's life privately? 
No, but what we do know, but what we do know, Devontae accepted help. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't get into, see, like, to get into anybody who we don't know what went well, on with them I personally. feel like I've been told enough from the people who talked to Jerome to know that Jerome just didn't want to put in the work and did not want to ever play by the rules. And once you get caught and busted and told you got to play by the rules, if you choose not to, then good riddance. I mean, that's your choice. And he chose differently. So fine. Like I, 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 that, that I think is fair game. I'm not, I'm not besmirching his character. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to insult him personally, but for the program that I'm going to support and put my blood, sweat and tears as a fan in, I want to know that the guys on the other side are also committed. And I do think that with Devante, he still loves Indiana. He was committed. Uh, and, and I think sometimes where the mistake I made was, and to your point a little is I equated like bad decisions that I see that that equated to, he just doesn't give a shit. Well, no, that, that is not, that is not something I can judge. And, and that was wrong with Devante. There was so much else going on with him. And like you said, there's just a sweetness to him that, mm-hmm. that I never expected. And I'm telling you when he's he's with talking to us and we're we're seeing him in his apartment in Hungary and he's telling us that the only people that speak English are the people that are on his team and like you know he doesn't really you know he's not an adventurous eater so the food's weird for him I do feel for these guys I I I know there's a romanticism to that life but there's also a sadness to it for me and and I just hope he finds happiness in it I didn't call you out on it then, but I will now. I liked how you said, right, when we got going, you were like, and you're clearly not in America. And it's just like two white walls with a painting behind him. I was like, is that like a really Hungarian painting? It didn't didn't look like America to me. It didn't. You know, I remember when I was with WWE and we went to um, England and we were shooting a show in Birmingham. Birmingham and Manchester. I can't remember exactly where this one was, but we were trying to shoot an angle, a, a video of one of the wrestlers like uh, Randy Orton, or no, it wasn't Randy, John Cena at his hotel, or his, um, hotel room. And so we, we shot at the hotel that he was at and we came and showed it to Vince and Vince, it was supposed to, it was supposed to be him staying in America somewhere. And we shot the hallway of this British hotel and Vince, we brought the video back and Vince was like, that's not America. <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, look at those doors. We don't do doors like that. And you know what? He was right. Like when you looked at it, it did the hallway look smaller than most American hallways. It's like the doorbells were different. Like it did not look like an American uh, hotel. And it threw him off, and we had to throw away the piece. So was it the color white on Devontae's walls that gave it away? It was the the narrowness. It was the weird window that was above him. It was it was several <laughs> it was things that oh, you knew. Oh, you knew and it was that Hungary. I knew he was in Hungary. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Um, but I I I just appreciated him walking us through the career. I also appreciate a guy who, like you said the success for the IU team was not there for his four years and for him to still be willing to come on and kind of talk us through the highs and the many lows clearing up the rumor about him and Romeo. I appreciated that. Sure. Sure. Uh, 
I did use the phrase get in your ass, which I should not have used. Getting in your ass. Well, that's what that's what Woody says. Woody has said several times, I get in Xavier's ass. That's what he says. Yeah, no, I've heard him say it. So I adopted it, and it didn't sound good coming from me. No, Woody's got a way with words that that probably only Woody should do. Well, again, that's one of the things that Woody says all the time. Every sentence starts with, well, again. Or shit. Or, and that's kind of nice to see. (laughs) <laughs> he does that one a lot all right well i really enjoyed Devonte. i hope everybody else does follow us on twitter at hoosier hysterics for the hysterics no e no i but, but the, the sometimes, sometimes why? why i truly hope twitter's still around by the time this goes out we we better secure that handle for instagram we've got the whole thing for instagram the whole the whole all i, the... I think i've got to start posting on instagram We've got is are you seeing a reduction in traffic and all that stuff? Not uh, I don't think so, not yet, but 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 there is a palpable worry and a lot of people talking about canceling their Twitter, leaving Twitter, going to other places. The problem is there really is no competition for Twitter right now. Instagram isn't competition for Twitter, it's something else. It's yeah, different. No. It is weird how they've all found their own like niche, but th- to me, the only only thing I saw wrong with Twitter was we had trouble getting on a couple of spaces. We did. Like, I don't know if that's from Elon locking everybody out of the offices over the last several days, but uh, we'll be back at it next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden Eric. And as you probably know by now,